Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jaren Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Happy Friday, everybody in Jacksonville and beyond. Good to be back in the studios, although we're going to get acclimated once again uh, and shut off the phone yeah. once again. You yeah. all right over there? You need like a screwdriver? No, I'm all right. Hey, are you all right with those headphones over there, man? Yeah, this, is, this, is, uh, this is my TV. Too you know. bad those AirPods can come through you now, can, can they? I don't think they can. No, nah, yeah. that's a so. shame. That's a shame and a half. Ah, whatever. We'll make it work. Uh, sure. Of course, I forgot. I, I must unpack my bag and forgot my headphones oh, uh, yeah. at home after being on the road. See, I, I, we're just not used to it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, back at it here on a Friday. Hope everybody's uh, doing well. Tiger Woods not doing well enough. <laughs> Looks like he might miss the cut. Hopefully, they go some high scores. Uh, in the afternoon, so the cut line moves, and we can see Tiger play Saturday and Sunday. He needs the rounds. Eldrick needs some competitive rounds. It's been first time in five months. We're just talking about expectations. Expectations, obviously, uh, well, going down a little bit after today's uh, round of golf. He was a, a bit uh, sloppy. You just heard him on the Sports Center update. Well, we got the cancellations all over outside the par, uh, Power Five, right? Uh, we got the A10 and the CAA, and we got all these. What you name your conference, uh, and we've got cancellations of fall sports, cancellation of football, delays of football, delays of fall sports. It's happening, uh, and what does that mean? And 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 by the way, how bad would it look for the Power Fives to play if everybody else is saying no thanks? Uh, is it just a greed play, a money play? If they do try to give it a go, or do they have more money at their disposal to be able to test and do other things like that? I think um, would be a reasonable point, but they are they may do something that's totally different than a lot of other uh, programs and conferences are doing in college football. And to me, that's the biggest question right now is right is like we have these smaller conferences, you know, calling off fall sports, gonna gonna hold off on it for right now and kind of take the safe route. And one could assume, obviously, in terms of money, in terms of funding for the COVID-19 testing, for all the pre- preparations, I mean, it's probably in their best benefit to do that. But then we talk about the, the mighty SEC. You know, we talk about the mighty Big Ten, the ACC. Brent, if let's just say that every single conference outside the Power Five chose not to have fall, fall sports this year, and the Power Five chose to move on, how would that make the Power Five look? That's the thing. And and uh, it looks makes it look immediately greedy mm. and risky. But again, I think you could counter with, do they have the ability to bubble it up better on their campuses, to give it a go? Uh, is it within reason when you could lose 50 to 60 to $70 million to try to give it a go? I mean, wh- where's the cutoff, right? I mean, uh, it was part of the reason we opened up here in Florida and other places because, like, okay, we're losing a lot of business. I mean, we got to kind of make a measured decision here. Is it worth bringing back the restaurants and the bars? And, well, now in hindsight, are those questions being asked again? I think that's what the SEC, I think that's what Power Five's conferences are going to have to uh, answer as well. And we'll see what they come up with. I thought about this yesterday. I think the NFL's happening. I think the NFL's going to happen. I think you saw some reports out On the time? Ca- yeah, okay. I do. Okay. Uh, I, now, I still a little doubt about, um, uh, you know, I, when you say on time, do I think maybe a day or two or different. But um, rookies and, and others are Kansas City and other places. Houston, I think it was, yep. said, hey, we expect you here on Monday. 
Now, we'll see if that shuffles a, a day or two or three or, or whatever, but I don't see any drastic delay is my point. We'll also see about preseason games. But I do think the NFL is going to give it a go. I think they will play. They'll at least try to play, and, and then we'll see where we're at in September and October and, and what the impact is. I think high school football, we're going to find out a little bit more on Monday. There's an emergency meeting, uh, they're calling it basically, uh, for the FHSAA. I actually think they might try to give it a go because it looks like schools are going to give it a go. And if schools are going to give it a go, well, then I think the sports will try. I think. I'm a little wishy-washy on that one, but I think. I'm leaning toward a go. Uh, and by the way, that could be shrunk. That could be a different parameters. It could be you can't travel outside uh, your county, your region, your whatever. I don't think we might not even see state playoffs. It was New York, I think, that just said that, that they're not doing state playoffs. Uh, those rumors have already been around in the state of Florida. So it could look different, but I think we're going to give it a go. College football, believe it or not, is the one that I thought, you know what, I think has, if you ask me right now, I'd put my fan duel money on. <laughs> I would say. Your, your house back on? Are we putting the no, house no, back on? No no no, 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 no. Okay. I put my house on COVID-19. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I would put my money on a delay. Of college football. Of college football. Okay. Okay, so okay. like I, I could see a start in the season in, in October. Okay. Um, but trying to get stuff in. And, again, it will be altered. It could be. Uh, this eight-game format, this nine-game, ten-game format, it could be conference only, like so many are saying. I, I, I'm just saying I think they're going to give it a go. I think all three footballs levels will go, mm-hmm. and I think the NFL will go pretty much on time. With the regular season, I think it will go on time. I think high school football could get a little delay in there, but I think they're going to give it a go mm-hmm. uh, and, and under different parameters. And I think college football will see the delay. Uh, that's where I feel like the delay will be is in college football, getting everybody on the same page. So I think in terms of high school football, especially in the state of Florida, if you can justify kids going back to school, then how can't you justify you know, fall sports or how can you justify high school football? Because I mean, essentially, and I, I know there's exceptions, um, you know, with, with private schools and then obviously homeschooling as well. But for the most part, the kids that go to school are the kids that play football, you know? So if you can justify bringing those kids back to school, then justify them playing football. So I agree with you here, at least in the state of Florida, right? Because let's be honest here in terms of how each state has handled COVID-19, Florida has been kind of the free spirit, let's just call it. Or, or I mean, and that's a really nice way to put it. Or else we could just call it Thunderdome. There are no rules here. All right. Do whatever you want to do. Best of luck to you and we'll see you down the road hopefully it's That's either Florida. thunderdome two or teams they... enter one team leaves <laughs> welcome or to thunderdome. i don't know welcome which back one? scott by the way man it's good to hear that voice know, man it's been a yeah. long time it's been a while on vacation it's Hello, been a while scott. it's been How a while like man. doing good man doing good but th- that's my point though right where i have a hard time not seeing high school football happen around here with everything like if you can go to the bars if you can go to the restaurants you can play high school football so i agree with you there brent yeah i think that uh, i was just thinking i had a long drive home last night i bet so, you did uh, yeah. I, I was thinking quiet one after that loss huh? yeah, it was pretty quiet yeah. plus steph and the kids were in the different car they got a head start i didn't uh, go i went after uh that's why i could stop at the national peanut festival and take a picture <laughs> saw but, that um, <laughs> the uh but i was thinking of it i was like you know what if you kind of talking to myself i said self this is what I think is going to happen in high school football, college, and NFL. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, most importantly, and I understand everybody has allegiances to all, and I know we want to see all three. Again, I will say from an economic engine, selfishly for where we are in Jacksonville, for what we do here on the radio side, on TV side, really I believe for the normal sea notion of life in the fall, I think the most important one is, for, is, is Sundays. 
yeah. the most important one is the NFL. And that's not to say, hey, dismiss college football. I think th- that's close, by the way, a close second. Well, especially and, around here, right? Let's be absolutely. honest, in the city of Jacksonville. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a close second all across the South, and mm-hmm. really all across the country, mm-hmm. uh, from Columbus, Ohio, to, to wherever. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not dismissing that. I'm just saying from the economic engine of it all, I believe – the, the NFL is most important here. Uh, and by the way, I don't want to dismiss high school football. I mean, these kids work hard. I mean, some of them obey their senior seasons. Can you imagine missing your senior season of high school football? No. So I think uh, they're going to try like heck on all different levels to get this in uh, from their own selfish point of view because we want to play and we want to see it happen, but also because we want to get back to normal a little bit. Um, normalcy is Friday nights in the fall. Normalcy is Saturday nights on college or Saturdays on college campuses. And normalcy is our Sunday night, fo- Sunday football, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night football in the NFL, uh, in our fantasy football leagues, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's going to be the attempt to get it. I think uh, obviously everybody just has to be smart about it and see where it lands. And to a degree, we're still a little bit early on it, right? But, we're still yeah. a little early to find out. We we don't know Major League Baseball is starting this week until like today. Yeah. There was approval from Washington that Major League Baseball can start, I think, next Thursday mm-hmm. for opening night. That's six days ahead of when they planned. Mm-hmm. Could we see a similar situation on all three levels of football where it goes all the way up until the 11th hour? I think absolutely. So let's go ahead and take high school football off the table because I don't even want to talk about not having a high school football season. All right, I don't want to put those bad vibes out there in the universe. I just hope there's going to be a high school football season because, I mean, I, I think you were around for the conversation, but me and Coos had it. Listen. The only reason why I got into a college, because I didn't have the grades, to tell you the truth, was because of my high school football season my senior year, okay? Because my, my junior year, I didn't even start on defense, okay? And my only scholarship offer came my senior year. So it was it was absolutely crucial that I got to play that season. Now, don't, don't get it wrong. Like, obviously, times have changed now in terms of recruiting, in terms of, you know, sending out highlight films, things like that. But I'm just saying there's some kids out there right now that are really depending on that senior year to go to school. So I, hopefully the high school football season happens for them. I want to talk about college and the NFL, though, real quick. If you were to pick one right now that you think would be delayed, okay, and one that you you could see maybe starting up maybe later in the future, you're going to go with college football over the NFL? Okay. Even even those students could be on campus and everything, you still think they're going to delay college football until that time? I think that's where we're headed. I think right now, if you ask me, I think, yes, we will uh, not start until maybe late September, early October. Okay, and you think the NFL is... But I think but, NFL September 10th is opening up and fireworks are going off and, yeah. and there'll be maybe 12,000 people in a stadium, but it'll be on TV. See, because I've been a pretty big proponent of how I feel about college athletics, right? Where I feel like, listen, if you don't have students on campus, you can't justify having student athletes sure. on campus going to practice. But if students are going to be back, you know, and there's going to be some kind of precautions... To me, if the students are going to be back, then why not have college football? Okay, and it's kind of like this—the same example I gave with the high school, where if you if you're going to school every single day with all those students, you can go play football as well. So that's to me what the what the telling truth is going to be is if students go back to college and they're on campus and they're interacting with each other, then to me you can justify it in having a college football season as well. Yeah, well here's here's the deal. Uh, I don't know if there's one that's more at risk of legalities of mm-hmm. litigation. If if something goes wrong, I would think colleges, based on student athlete and not getting paid to play and all those things. Now, maybe everybody signed a waiver. Who yeah. knows? But I would think you can get away with it from a litigation standpoint. Also, because you have so much money involved in the NFL, they could probably handle any kind of litigation more so than college. So it's still a scary part of this. Mm-hmm. If you're running an organization in sports or anything else, the litigation. 
Uh, you know, there's so, well, a big reason why I think it, sports got shut down was because of that in the first place. Yeah. And you have to understand, is that going to be uh, on the way back in? I think that's why we're seeing a lot of colleges basically say, hey, it's gone for the fall. Mm-hmm. We're not going to deal with that. We don't want, especially all these outside the Power Five. We don't have the dollars to do that, number one. It's not an economic engine like it is in the Power Five. We're not taking that risk. I, I do like to believe that there's some that are just concerned about the student-athlete and not so much the, the lawyers and the litigation that could take place. But I do think that's a real thing, a real part of it. I mean, if a, if a young person, uh, man or woman, gets coronavirus and, and passes away, the litigation involved in that for a college, for a uh, conference, for maybe even the NCAA could be enormous and something they don't want to wrestle with. And maybe the NFL, given all the money they make, is willing to take a risk like that more so than college sports. And also, we have to put ourselves in the student-athlete's shoes here in college where you can't afford to sit out a year. You you can't just get on, on your high horse, on your soapbox, and say, you know what, I'm not comfortable playing in this environment right now, so I'm going to sit out. That's not how it works, man. Usually you get four years or sometimes you get five years, depending on the red shirt of college football, and that's it. So from their perspective, too, from the college player's perspective, it's hard to justify, obviously, sitting out if you don't want to play. Well, some could sit out. I just don't know if we'll see it. The Trevor yeah. Lawrences of the world, the Justin well, Fields of the world. The, they I'm talking about the, the, the guys that but are draft ready. Yeah. Well, consider yeah. the ramifications also. How many conferences, how many schools, how many programs would be affected by a negative impact from uh, the coronavirus or from a, a player's uh, contracting an illness and having it relate back to that. You look at the NFL, you've got 30 squads. You've got uh, a bunch of folks who are seasoned professionals who do have that capacity to make an informed choice and say, maybe I'm not going to play this week. Maybe I'm not comfortable with this situation. Yeah. And you can take it up with my agent. The student-athletes yeah, yeah. don't have that option, but it's a much, much, much bigger world for them with the repercussions that spread out from that. It's a great it, point. The yeah. sheer number of teams alone and programs alone in college uh, sports compare, and the variety of sports, right? I mean, we're, not, we're talking about a lot of these sports entities. They're just concerned about their own franchises. For the NFL, it's their 32 franchises and the players that exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the NCAA, they're concerned about... 18, 20 different sports times 300 and something universities or whatever participating, it is a bigger a bigger deal. Well, and also keep in mind, too, of NFL players, right, where these contracts aren't guaranteed. And especially in the NFL, where if you chose to sit out a year, Brent, I mean, that, that could be your death sentence right there. As as aggressive as that sounds, um, listen, teams always go in younger directions. Now, if, if you're a star quarterback or you're an all-pro or a pro bowl type player, then, yeah, you're probably always going to have a home in the league. But I'm talking about if you're one of those you know, backup guys who's thinking, like, you know what, I don't feel comfortable playing right now. I'm going to sit out this year. Good luck with that, because that could be your death sentence. You may not ever be asked to come back. All right, uh, a lot of topics to hit today, uh, including uh, one about Major League Baseball. Uh, we'll give you an update. What, one thing I wanted to do today, where where are we on all the sports? Just a quick little update uh, at some point in the show today with the NFL College, but also the NBA and Major League Baseball on the verge of starting their seasons. So we'll give you a quick little update uh, on that. Coming up next, the NFLPA had a call in the last couple of hours, just got off the call right before our show. What did they say? Anything? revealing coming up from the players side of things uh, the players association they have concerns what did they lay out that they would like to see and i'll give you a little hint it had 
zero preseason games in it. Uh, so will that be a thing? Can they win that part of it? And what about the deferred money and how much the domino effect on the dollars could take place not only in 2020, but 2021 and down the line? A lot going on in the NFL with the NFLPA as well over these next few days to try to get something ironed out that they can agree on and then get to camp and start playing some football. We'll talk about it next. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hope you're having a good Friday. Thanks for hanging with us. Hey, I'm Jay DeMarcus from Rascal Flats, and this is Action Sports Jacks. Yes, it is. That was Rascal Flats. Uh, I listened to the Highwaymen on the way home last night in the final hour of my drive. That's can like you, an, that's like an all-star lineup of guys, can right? Can you name the Highwaymen? Oh, I'm sure every one of those members has a first and last name. That's not like it's just a first name. So, like, uh, Luke Bryan, is he a Highwayman? <laughs> no, he's um, not. Hang on, let me think about it quick. <laughs> you gotta go old school um, Andrew Thomas. Uh, no. Th- Thomas Andrew? <laughs> no. I'm trying to think of first names that are both a last name and a first name. I, I got nothing, man. Scott, you got the highway. Oh, man? no, isn't there like Willie, not Willie Nelson. Yeah. Willie Nelson, Nelson, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings. Uh, I believe there's one. one more. It's always a tough one, the last one. Hank uh, Williams? No. Abba, 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 Abba. No, nah, it's, it's not really my genre, so I'm, I'm kind of out of the loop on that. It's not Hank Williams? Chris Christopherson. Oh, I never would have got that. Chris uh, Christopherson? What, is he like the European <laughs> highwayman? What's up with that dude? I think that's what his name is, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's the guy. Bring a little European flair to the highwayman. You know, so the original of Star was born. Yeah, this is. it's a great, uh, like, it's awful right now. Like, if I heard it for the first time ever right now, I'd be like, what are we, let's, what is this? Yeah. But I heard it as a kid a lot. My buddy, uh, my best friend Pat, his brother would play it a lot. Okay. And when we were driving, I don't know why at the time. I don't know how he got turned on to or whatever, but I had never even heard of it. And so I knew every song on that thing. And I Dang. listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. And so once in a while, I'll break it out, baby. Got me like through the it. last hour and 15 minutes of the trip. I like it. Um, Like Johnny Cash is one of the OGs, man. He's like one of the very first people I ever heard uh, playing music because my grandpa used to have an old 8-track player. And he had like all of Johnny Cash's you know, greatest hits and everything. So I remember playing the 8-track player. And for all you young young people listening out there, don't worry about it. But Johnny Cash was that dude, man. Is, isn't there like a woman's group now that I kind of copy? There's See, a Highway Women. There's yeah. a Highway Women. And then there are current musicians, right? Yes, they okay, are. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Um, you know, and I've heard a, I've heard a little bit of their stuff. It's okay. Careful, I mean, Brent. Careful now. 2020. I know. Careful. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. I'm messing with you. Uh, I think I heard a song or two of it, but um, interesting idea. So, you know. so is the Highway Women? It's like the all-star version of. Yeah, and I forget who it's in. Um, Randall Lambert. I just. No, it's not mm. like that though. It's it's not Shania like Twain? like at the time like those uh the Highway Men was almost like the forefathers without Haggard. Like Haggard wasn't in it, of so like, I wouldn't say. I guess you couldn't truly say it was like the founding fathers of country music, but there were huge names in country music. Waylon yeah. Jennings and Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson, especially. I don't think the name power is as strong. It's more younger group. Yeah. That you wouldn't really know everybody. You might know one of them. So we're talking the heavy hitters like Amanda Shires, Brandy Carlisle, Maureen Morris, and Natalie Hemby. Yeah. Well, Maren Morris is big. It's big. Okay. Like she's. Yeah, she's pretty big in country music now. Okay. But again, it's not yeah. it's not uh yeah. it's not Faith Hill for sure. And I mean Shania Twain. <laughs> but let's go and, through it real quick. Who would be your high, like who would be like the ideal Mount Rushmore of the highway oof. women? 
gosh. I'll I mean, be, I'll be bad at this. Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, I like uh, who is it? Uh, Pam Tillis or oh, or Pam Tillis with the pull. I like that. Yeah. Or uh, who is it? Wynette? Wynette? Tammy Wynette? How about the judge? Why don't Here's the thing: Can we Absolutely. only draft people who are still playing? I guess you kind of have to, don't you? Did Dolly Parton still do the dang thing, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So let's go Dolly Parton. I mean, can we put Casey Musgraves on there just, <laughs> just for the newer generation? You know, hey, let's yeah. go ahead and bridge. Let's, let's bridge this highway. Know your audience, baby. It's all about exactly, marketing. I'd be, exactly. all, I'd be all about that. Like, if it was if it was Dolly Parton, like Reba McIntyre. Now we're talking Reba. Uh, maybe, like, Miranda Lambert. Yep. And then if you want Casey Musgraves in there, throw her I in. I mean, That's I don't fine. want Casey Musgraves. I think the world needs Casey <laughs> Musgraves and that thing. That's a difference, Brent. I, I think just, we have something here. I just talked to, about this today with someone. Like, yeah, we don't really talk music. Music much on the show. Here we are, eight <laughs> minutes into the second segment on the highway men and the highway women. Uh, hey, you brought it up. Man. I did. Yeah, I know did. it's a dangerous thing to do. You better it's a believe it. Thing. Hey, what's the NFLPA saying about this upcoming season? Uh, they just got off a call. They, you know, the, the fascinating part of this is NFL and the NFLPA prior to this pandemic kind of going crazy reached an agreement on the CBA, which we thought could sprinkle into next year and really be a problem. Yep. Well. Now they have to kind of renegotiate based off this. And that's what we saw with Major League Baseball. And we saw that kind of very outspoken in the public, and it looked bad for both sides, depending on which side you were on. I thought it looked bad for both sides. I think the NFL saw that. I think they're smarter than that. But you're still getting some word out, okay, the players don't want this, the owners want this. There's negotiations going on, and it's all about the dollar. It's mm-hmm. about 35% of the money, 40% of the money, deferred money. How do you... You may lose seventy million dollars in caps uh, in, in cap space each team next year. How do you sprinkle that over a few years or just one year? Uh, and right, obviously the owners want the players to take a little bit of the fall on this um, in case, just in case. And the players are saying, "Well, we don't want to assume that risk. We're already assuming risk because we're playing during a pandemic." Yeah. So I, I get it. Uh, do you think this will be as noisy as Major League Baseball? I don't feel like it's there yet. Do you think it will get ugly as we approach camp here in the next uh, week or so, really, so, with rookies reporting as soon as next week? You're right. It hasn't been noisy yet. And let's be fair here, Brent, in terms of the new CBA that was put in place a couple months back, I think we were both surprised when they agreed so quickly, right? I mean, I think you lost a house because of it. I did. It was be one fair. of my houses. It was one of your houses. You, I you lost the house back, on though, this with bet. the Yon extension. I mean, but was that really a, a, a house hey. kind of bet? Hey, <laughs> hey. whatever, man. You're calling yeah. the shots. <laughs> you do whatever you want to do. It's all good. But, no, I think we were both surprised in terms that the players were so quickly um, to agree with the owners because usually, especially with the – we talk about it all the time on this show. The modern air NFL player, um, they can be stubborn a little bit and they can be stuck on those hills where it's like we want this, we want this, we want this. And we didn't necessarily see that during the CBA. So it begs the question now. With everything that's going on with COVID-19 and the pandemic, where are players going to stand on this? And I think right now it's been pretty clean. But I think it could get messy pretty quick here for a few reasons. Number one, yesterday I talked about a little bit, Brent, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt was very adamant about saying, we don't know a lot of things going on right now. And there's a lot of miscommunications of what, what's the salary is going to be like? What's the designation of COVID-19 going to be like? How long are we going to be out for? Now, keep in mind, a little bit after that, the NFLPA released a little bit of a protocol sheet that said, here's how we're going to treat COVID-19 if a player has it and things like that. But I'm just saying, if J.J. Watt, you know, Captain America, one of the faces of the NFL, doesn't know what's going on, nobody knows what's going on. 
Okay, so I think you could have some problems with miscommunications and things going forward. My biggest gripe and my biggest discrepancy, which I think could be a problem going forward as well, is the injury designation of COVID-19, right, where the NFLPA and the NFL have agreed where if a player comes down with COVID-19, they're going to sit for three weeks, and then that team has the option to either add that player back to the roster, assuming he's healthy, or put him on IR. That's going to be a big sticking point to me because keep in mind, you know how IR works, Brent. If you go on the IR, you don't make your full paycheck, right? You only make a a fraction of that, and that could rub some players the wrong way, especially considering teams do this all the time in the NFL where they put players on the IR. It's happened in Jacksonville. They're not necessarily hurt, Mm -hmm. but it's a quote-unquote roster decision for the future, and I don't want to see that happen because some player gets COVID-19. Absolutely. Uh, Tom Pelissero, by the way, about an hour ago said NFLPA Executive Director DeMora Smith says on a media call that union officials had a call last night with team doctors who gave the opinion with a couple of reservations, quote, that it is safe to open training camp. So, I mean, that's from the union side yeah. uh, saying that, that they feel safe to open training camp the way things are set up. That's big uh, in getting to a place of playing football. Meanwhile, Brian McCarthy from the NFL just had this statement released uh, NFL clubs met today via video conference and received an update on preparations for the 2020 season. We will continue to implement the health and safety protocols developed jointly with the NFLPA and based on the advice of leading medical experts, including review by the CDC. We will address additional issue in a cooperative way. All decisions will be made in an effort to put us in position to play a full regular season and postseason, culminating with the Super Bowl, which is the shared goal of the clubs and players. Does that open the door a little bit? Uh, for no preseason games because that's what uh, players are saying is they said, hey, let's make sure we have the playoffs. Let's make sure we have a regular season. Let's not mess around with this preseason stuff where games don't count. So uh, that's some of the back and forth going on. Uh, the conversation continues. Uh, you know, even a handful of hours ago, Pelissero said this one idea endorsed by the NFL competition committee to help teams cope with positive COVID-19 tests, allow unlimited players to return from injured reserve and non-football injury lists after just three games instead of eight. It's been discussed as NFL and NFLPA talks continue. So that's how deep they are diving into some of the minutia. That really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us because what do we want to know? Are you playing football or not? You know, get it settled. Are you playing football or not? I, I do have a lot of confidence that they will, that they'll get this done. I, I think I think players are motivated to play. I think uh, obviously owners are motivated to to do it uh, in the league because of the dollars involved, if nothing else. Uh, but I also think they feel what I've kind of said the last couple of days that a sense of normalcy is is football on Sunday afternoons, and that's their resp- it's not responsibility like you have to do it. But I think they feel a little ownership in that. They mm-hmm. they know what. Uh, football is now in the United States, you know, from a sports perspective. And so they could see them doing their role, much like the NBA said. NBA mm-hmm. said, hey, we feel like it's our responsibility to provide uh, some entertainment, some distractions, healthy distractions, if we can make it work. It's our responsibility to at least try. I remember Adam Silver saying that. And I would think the NFL, outside of the dollars, which is certainly a motivation, would feel a similar way. Well, without a doubt, we've talked about it all the time on the show, Brent, where right now the NFL and really college football is the only things we have to look forward to in the future to make it seem like it's a normal living right now, right? If you cancel college football, if the NFL gets postponed, I'm talking chaos then, man. 
I'm talking your 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 daily routines, your daily lives. No fantasy football. Like I'm I'm just get, I'm freaking out just thinking about it. Right? I, I honestly am. Because what, what are we gonna bet on then? I'm gonna be betting on Korean baseball. Lord help me. I don't really know anything about Korean baseball, but I'm gonna be dropping hundred dollars here, hundred dollars there, just to get my fix in because I can't play fantasy football for five bucks a pop with my friends. Sounds like we have a problem. Yeah. Well, maybe we have to have a little intervention sometime, but <laughs> it's not gonna be. You know, be for today. every problem, what you really need is a solution. <laughs> so play ball. Yeah. Well, no, truth be told, I just want the ESPN 690 Fantasy Football League back so I can have bragging rights once again. True. That's what I'm looking forward Get the to. Belt. Exactly. I don't want to go to the ESPN 690 halfway through the season MLB Fantasy Baseball. I don't want to do that. So I think right now, Brent, yeah, it is crucial. And keep in mind, at least with the NBA players, they've gotten some paychecks, okay? They've, they're sitting comfortably True. right now. The way they the got NFL, paid 75% of their salary. Exactly. Yeah. The way the NFL works is you only get paid during the season. So right now you've had a couple guys who have probably had some trips in Vegas who have probably spent some money and are looking to be like, you know what, let me go ahead and re-up my cash a little bit and make sure I'm comfortable. So I think guys have that incentive to want to play just because they haven't seen a paycheck, obviously, since last year. Absolutely. Uh, a little more from the NFL and the NFLPA. This uh, according to Dan Graziano, uh, J.C. Treader saying, we've had coaches say the protocols are too much to ask. Coaches come forward and saying everyone's going to get sick so we might as well all get sick together those attitudes can't happen <laughs> there are consequences to getting sick sounds like they stole a page from the um alabama folks who said let's be the first to get sick uh, <laughs> so it, get it early get it out of the way yeah I guess so. a little bit of that get right? out of your system yeah uh smith just more coming in wearing a mask will probably be the most significant component of whether sports return in this country that's not a political statement that's a common sense and scientific statement according to the uh president of the players association uh and one more for you i thought i read i wanted to get the days yeah jc treader proposed ramp up period from the union this is what i think people want to hear 21 days strength and conditioning 10 days of non-padded practice then 14 days of contact acclimation that's the that timetable grew out of discussion with medical experts which by the way is very much in line with what college football coaches i'll repeat said when we asked about this back in april like okay how much time do you need if you're not gonna have the spring how much time do you need maybe we had the conversation in may Mm -hmm. and college coaches were saying you know we've been told pretty much anywhere from you know we could probably do it in six weeks but we'd like eight weeks to be able to go and that's one of the reasons i think college football could still get delayed they're the ones that said that six Mm -hmm. to eight weeks if they don't go to camp until August 1, without a lot of stuff, you know, this past couple of months and and the spring the way it normally was, are they comfortable starting on September 5th? I think the answer to that is going to be no, uh, along with the other complications. But here's that timetable again for the NFL. Treader, the president of the union, said 21 days strength and conditioning, Mm -hmm. 10 days of non-padded practices, then 14 days of contact acclimation, which would pretty much say, say they, they come to camp July 28th. As a, as a whole, which means you're not really even going to contact until August 28th. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get contact for about two weeks and then start playing, maybe two and a half weeks, and then, bam, into a game week. And, and this would eliminate preseason games according to that timetable. Well, and that's, and that's the biggest thing, right? So let's say right now there's no preseason games. Well, there's roster spots to be had from young guys out there. There's roster bubble guys right now. And if you take those preseason games off the table – well, then you have to address this in practice. You know, like, if I'm trying to see what linebacker I want on my team, 
I got to see you come downhill full speed and try to tackle a running back. That's the only way to figure out if you're going to be on this team or not. So I'm wondering going forward, especially keep in mind, with a very young right now Jacksonville Jaguars team, with a team that has a lot of undrafted rookies, obviously, and a very young draft class, or a very high draft class in terms of 12 players being a part of it, I'm curious to see what Doug Marone's going to bring to the table in terms of what practice will look like, right? Because we've heard before, you don't want to go back to the old days of Tom Coughlin and run him in the ground. Okay, I understand that. But at the same time, if you take the preseason games off the table, how are you going to figure out who's going to be where? How are you going to figure out who's going to be you know, your backup uh, safety, your backup linebacker, if they're not hitting people? And if you take the preseason games out of the way. So it's going to be a very interesting, I think, you know, training camp, per se, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, to say the least. Well, and it's great because it, it, what you just said there, because if you go back to other conversations we've had in the past, you know, I understand there's all a process of football. Take the pandemic side away. If this was last year in, in training camp and in the spring, and, you know, you, Doug Marone admittedly will say, listen, we can't figure things out until they put the pads on. I mean, you can feel good about it. Like, go back and we can pull some sound bites that say that. Yeah. Basically, like, you can't, you, you can say you like your team or you like what they're doing. And, and I think Doug often will talk about, hey, I like their attitude and their approach to it. But, it's hard to sit here and say I like my team without them hitting and playing in a game. And a, So I think what you just said is really interesting. I think if you're being true to yourself and coaches have been around this thing long enough and people that are in charge around this thing long enough, they're going to know they don't really know what the heck they have until possibly like late, late, late August, early September. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well. I mean, I don't know how many changes you can make to a roster, to a team at that point. Uh, and, and that's traditionally true anyway. I mean, kind of the hay is in the barn for the most part on that. You've had the draft and free agency. But it is interesting where, where teams might kind of have a feeling, say, after preseason game number two, how they kind of feel like, okay, I got a little feeling at least. Mm-hmm. I got a better idea of what I'm seeing on the practice field translates to a couple of series out there. And I kind of like where we're headed. You might not have any of those feelings really until you kick off. Well, on September 10th. Oh, and this is why I'm so adamant, and I'll be honest, I, I'm a little worried about how it's going to look because, Brent, you, you can't figure out who your roster is going to be just based off individual drills, okay? And you can't based off who your roster is going to be going seven on seven. You, you need to get live game reps. You need to get put under that pressure cooker a little bit, especially if you're a young player, to see if you can hang, okay? The last thing I want to see is like, all right, well, this kid looks good an individual. He's on the team. He's fast. He's got good feet. Great. He's got great feet. How does he handle himself when he's, he has to make the calls? How does he handle himself when it's live and the bullets are flying? And once again, I just don't know if you can replicate that kind of atmosphere in practice. We'll see. We will find out. Yeah. And by the way, the answer to that is I don't think you can. Sure. You've been around it long enough. Yeah. And, and again, what I've heard and seen over the years, uh, it doesn't add up that you can mm-hmm. and that you're willing to do. Because, again, you're trying to get to the regular season healthy. It's going to be a roll of the dice, which, again, I don't know who that favors. We're about to see it in baseball. Who does it favor? Short season, uh, late start to the season, NBA coming back. We've asked these questions. Who does it favor? Uh, Does it take away from the Kansas cities of the world, uh, the Baltimores of the world that feel good about themselves? Mm -hmm. Or does it really hurt teams like Jacksonville who has no they have no idea what they're really going to be until they get out there? Logic would say it will really hurt a team like Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, listen, and I've been very adamant about this. I think the teams that are going to do well this season in the NFL are the teams that have the established identity already and the established coaching to go along with that. Calais Campbell, in an interview, shed some light on the Jacksonville days and thought there might be more of them. 
It's next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and on your smart speaker. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, Austin Lane on a Friday. By the way, I want to remind you about 2020 Carathon wrapping up here this weekend uh, today and into Saturday. Uh, presented by Duval Asphalt. Uh, you can go to childcancerfund.org. Go to ESPN690.com as well for silent auction items. And you can text the word forever to 41444. A uh, big salute to uh, Rich Jones from 104.5 WOKV and everybody here at Cox Media Group, uh, all the radio stations and also uh, on TV as well, CBS 47 and Fox 30 for joining hands uh, with Child Cancer Fund and, and raising uh, a lot of money this week. So we thank you for being a part of it. If you haven't uh, been a part of it yet and, and you would like to be, uh, please help out uh, at one of those uh, ways to do it, childcancerfund.org, ESPN690.com. Or text the word forever to 41444. Every little bit helps uh, in the battle against cancer. They've also got some cool auction stuff available that you'll see off the website. And that auction runs until 6 o'clock tomorrow. It goes all the way through 6 o'clock tomorrow, which is great. Yeah, yeah, so yeah that's the auction's great. So running until time. 6 tomorrow. So last chance to make a contribution, get some cool swag, uh, maybe buy a cool experience. But most importantly, help out the kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are, there's some really cool stuff uh, on the auction items. So uh, go check it out, ESPN690.com, the fastest way to get there to see the silent auction items. Uh, we appreciate it uh, as you head into this weekend. And uh, we try to help uh, kids and, and families battling cancer here in Northeast Florida. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Scott here in for Coos. Coos on vacation. Uh, good for him. Good for us. We get Scott. It's been a while, man. You've been good, though. You've been, how, how you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm I'm feeling good coming in off the bench. I'm tanned. I'm rested. I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> Does it get any better than tanned and rested, Brent? Uh, no. That's the story of my life right there. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of am, t- am tanned yeah, and rested. Yeah, I see you rocking that little maple syrupy brown skin over there. I see you, man. Listen, I've been good. on the back of a pickup truck doing the show yeah. for a week in like 96-degree yep. heat. <laughs> like I am. I yep. looked in the mirror the other day. I was like, man, I've been yep. getting some, some uh, sun. Hair is still the same, so, you know. Yeah, we, we're getting closer to, to a finality on Uh-oh. the hair, I think. You think so? It's going to be a treaty. Are, are you starting to cave or is he? No, we're not caving. We might oh. cave together, though. Oh, there might be a cave to peace no treaty caves sign. To get. Come I, on, man. I thought man. you guys were into playoff mode already. That's what I'm saying, man, a peace treaty. Come on, bro. This is war, man. Let's go. <laughs> ain't no peace treaties around here. There ain't no peace treaties in the sports radio broadcasting Niche? 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 I've been asked uh, about five different times if I would please just relent to have George Washington's hair cut. <laughs> Is this from family members? No, from I think ones? it's from his family members. Yeah, for it's sure. from other people it's watching TV. It's starting to everybody, isn't it? And yep. uh, Marie Foy, by the way, a lovely lady, a viewer on CBS 47 and Fox 30, follower on Twitter, okay. continues to be all over me about my hair. Dang. Like, what is wrong with your hair? Okay. So I'm not mad at it. I told I, you, man. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind it. I've been wearing a hat a lot lately, yeah. but uh, I'm okay. I, I might have put a little product in it today to kind of keep it down. Uh, bro, I've been telling you for like the past month now, just keep letting it grow a little more. You're, you're like the in-between phase. We're talking Brad- the in-between phase last? I'm just saying, we're talking Bradley Cooper and a star is born about a month or so. I'm <laughs> Bring in the guitar. You're going to play it like the first day you ever played it, and you're going to rock it out, and you're going to be singing Tell Me Something, Girl, whatever that song is. All right, man. That's a double whammy on the uh, Star is Born because uh, Chris Christopherson was in the original of that. Well, there we go. You're like the big rug, man. Exactly. You're exactly. Together and, here. and we're coming full circle, man. Uh, that's man. what we do on the what show. What a show. Yeah. Hey, Calais Campbell, the mayor of Saxonville. 
I was on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. And uh, brought up the idea that, hey, he thought he'd get an extension in Jacksonville before he'd get traded. That's how much he was surprised. So here's the quote uh, from Clarence Campbell on Pat McAfee's show. He goes, and I quote, I was expecting to be in Jacksonville throughout my contract and maybe even longer. I expect an extension uh, to come before a trade did. So there you go. And I listen, I sat down with uh, Calais in January um, in the stadium after the season. We knew that there could be some business going on, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's due to make, I think, $15 million, And given their situation, you know, at the time, we didn't know what was going on with A.J. Boye. We didn't know exactly what was going on with Yannick Ngakwe. We didn't know they were about to go through this uh, rebuild a bit because Dick Foles was still on the roster as well. But we knew that they had to shave some dollars. Mm-hmm one way or another. And so we had those conversations in January. You can still go see that on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, our YouTube channel. And and it was a a very enjoyable interview with Calais, as it always is. But it was pretty enlightening on the business side. And he also said, hey, man, I'm still worth this money. Mm -hmm. And so what I thought would come up is a potential rework of his deal, which then could lead to a contract extension. And I think he even thought that, too. Yeah, could they maybe say, let's rework and let's do this, but we'll add some years on. You know, that's how sometimes those conversations take place. Well, instead, and and those conversations may have taken place, but instead it ended up with him going to Baltimore, uh, which, again, I think works out in the long run for Calais, given where the Jags are right now, given where Baltimore is right now. It's great for him. And and they uh, reworked his deal once he got there, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think, first of all, I think he's a guy, I I always say this, he's biased for me. uh, We'll miss him around here. Mm -hmm. I think going through what they're going through right now, going through COVID-19, Black Lives Matter movement, having Calais around, which, by the way, he's still kind of in the community, he's still here. uh, He he just had a baby. um, And he's been in the area for the most part uh, through the COVID-19. He could have been so valuable this year. Just from a locker room standpoint. And you know he's still got game left. But I think the question was how much game is left at at his age and how much are we willing to pay for it. Those questions always come into play with veteran players. Well, and here's what hurts. Obviously, Clayus Campbell, if anybody wanted to get out of Dodge and go someplace else, it could have been Clayus Campbell, right? Because he's on the back nine of his career. Obviously, he's not in his prime anymore. He'll be the first one to tell you that. And the guy has put in his time. He's put in his effort. He deserves to hoist a Super Bowl trophy. So with that being said, I'm happy for him. But on the other side, he still wanted to be here, he said. He expected to be here. And we talk about it all the time, Brent, the, the transition from changing of the old guard to the new guard. Clayus Campbell is that bridge, okay? Clayus Campbell could teach the new generation coming up in that Jaguars locker room how to handle yourself and how to be a Jaguar. And unfortunately, he's not any, here anymore to do that. And now you're going to rely on guys like Josh Allen and maybe Yannick Ngakwe. We'll see if he's even going to be here to do that for him instead. I want a little more conversation on Calais Campbell. have that coming up, plus so much more uh, here on a Friday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Jump in on the conversation, star star 690 or 904-362-9901. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Four o'clock hour on a Friday, and now I'm on East Coast time, which is a little bit easier for me to understand. I'm telling you, man, I get thrown off by by the, the time change. Yeah. Like, I'm smarter than that. I really am. 
but it throws me off a lot of times because of the shows and like the newscasts. Yeah. So when we go out to California or Colorado or whatever, and we're a couple hours behind, I'm like, oh shoot, it's like four o'clock. It's time to go on TV. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's it really throws me off. Like I don't mind it from a sleep standpoint. It doesn't make me tired. You suggest it really doesn't bother me that much. Even London hasn't bothered me uh, too much, and the West Coast hasn't, but just messes with my head yeah see i'm good with one hour but we talk two hours then if we start going to the west coast in those two hours or three hours or four then it's just like hey man you know like now my body can't adapt immune system shutting down i have to make do with what i got does uh did do you think you play you never felt right going to those other time zones so the only time that i didn't feel right playing in a time zone was my i think rookie year it would have been with jack del rio at the helm he had it in his head that we weren't gonna because usually teams will travel they'll travel on friday right they're gonna get there a day earlier than they're expected to get just so you can get acclimated to the time difference we traveled like saturday afternoon um to san diego and then was supposed to you know play on sunday yeah that's tough I'm going to bed and the sun's out. Yeah, what, yeah. what do you want me to do with that right now, Coach yeah. Del Rio? So um, that was the only time where I just felt like ugh, a little groggy. And obviously we played like it because we got curb stomped, to say the least. So um, I think, you know, Coach Del Rio learned from there. And I think a lot of teams start to take notice where it's probably smarter to go at least on Friday, get acclimated a little bit, make sure you guys are getting some sleep. I always like those West Coast trips when you go on Friday. But even I think Coughlin uh, early in 17 didn't go on Friday. I think it was a Saturday trip. But then last year they did. They kind of almost showed you that Marone was having a little bit more control over what they decided. Yeah. And I think they did go on Friday. In fact, I know they went on Friday last year to the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, but I yeah, I think that's hard. I, I do think it's hard to be at your best and feel your best. And by the way, I think it's hard traveling to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think when you fly, there's a part – again, I, this isn't trying to be whiny here. Uh, I'm just saying if I'm an athlete, I want to be feeling my best, tip-top mm-hmm. shape – there's a reason why there's home field advantage. It's not just the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's your own surroundings. It's what you feel comfortable. It's routine. You guys are creatures of habit. And this goes for baseball, basketball, NHL, NFL, whatever. I do think, man, when you hop on a plane, just if you're going on a trip, you kind of get fatigued a little bit. You know, yeah. you just don't feel – you might feel okay, but you don't feel like your normal self. Can you go run five miles after you get up? Nah, I can't normally. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't feel that great. And so to be a, an athlete, especially in the sport of football, I think that would be challenging, no matter where you're flying to. Well, and I'll tell you what was fun, though. One of my – probably my most favorite memories came from, I believe it was 2012, so my last year in Jacksonville. We had, like, an extended uh, West Coast trip. Like, I don't know if we played Oakland. I think, actually, what happened was we played at Green Bay, and then I think we went from Green Bay right to Oakland or something, whatever it was. But, like, we – didn't go back to Jacksonville. We spent some time in California, and we stayed outside like San Francisco a little bit. Well, dude, Tyson Alualu is like the king of California, knows all the legit spots to go eat at. So, like, he had me eating like the, it was like a spam and rice kind of sushi thing. Sounds disgusting, maybe, to some people out there if you don't like spam. Delicious. Spam and sushi? Yeah, it, it was like a spam sushi thing. I mean, I think it's, it's like a Hawaiian dish that they're, they're known for. Like and, I, and I forgot what the rest. I have to text them sometimes, see what the restaurant was called. But it was like this mom and pop little restaurant. I'm like, dude, where are you taking me right now? He Man, knew the like, hot spot. Yeah, but I'm like, we have a game in like three days. Is this going to like put me back a couple of days when I'm about to eat? And he said, trust me, trust me. I'm like, okay, okay. You know, he didn't say a lot of words, but he said, trust me. I'm like, okay. And yeah, man, this, this spam and, and rice and it was wrapped in seaweed kind of sushi. I'll tell you right now, man. Doesn't sound once again. Doesn't sound appetizing. 
delicious. I was a uh, new um, sushi eater. Yeah. You know, around uh, the time we went to California for the week trip. Okay. And I had it out there, and it was better. Yeah. Well, and it the, was good. That's like, the thing, though. It you was do, different. You do yourself a disservice, though, because you go out to the West Coast where they, no offense to Jacksonville, but they do it right on the West Coast, right? And you come back here, it's like, yeah. It's, it's okay. I mean, but, I like but, but it's it not still, Cali. But sushi. it was yeah. different. You it's could different. notice it was different. Yeah. By yeah. the way, Weber just texted me and said, I sound soft for I can't fly to Cincinnati and go for a five-mile run. <laughs> I might be. I'm just saying that as an athlete, listen, I don't, I, this is more of a respect thing for players. I think it's hard to get on a plane, especially if you're a 300-pound guy, mm-hmm. get off the plane, go whatever, eat, go sleep, get up and play at your tip top best and then you add time changes into that whether you're going to london or whether you're going to colorado and maybe you're adding altitude into that mm-hmm. and then you're going to california three hours. i think there i think uh, i think that stuff adds up i, I do I, I don't think it's again i'm not saying it's an excuse but yeah. the jags have been awful on the west coast like that wasn't just your year they've been they can try everything you can sure. go out there for a month and live there and i think the jags would still get crushed on the west coast nine yeah. out of ten times that's the yeah. way it's been in their history yeah I do think it's a, a difficult acclimation process. You know what makes it all better? What's that? If you're better. Like Correct. if you have a good team. Yeah. If you have a good team and you're better than the other team, you don't have to be 100%. For sure. But the Jags have kind of climbed that uphill battle all the time from a roster standpoint. Yep. So you've got to play well at your premium. Mm-hmm. Yet when you're on the road, I don't know if you feel that way. Well, and listen to it. And that kind of brings the London game back into it a little bit. And I've told this story before. I was asked to go on the serious NFL uh, station one time in my career, probably one and only time in my career, because they asked me, what are your thoughts about the Houston Jacksonville game coming up in London? And I I said, oh, guarantee, Gardner Minshew going to go off, going to beat the Houston Texans because Houston's never played in London before. Jacksonville's acquainted with it. Expect a big day for Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars as they wrap it up <laughs> against the Houston Texans. Well, let's just say the game happened. We remember how it went down. And needless to say, my DMs have been absolutely dry in terms of serious <laughs> NFL XM ask me to go back on their show again. I was a one and done because I, I thought that there would be a big advantage um, playing in London. But once again, to make your point, if you're the better team, you're the better team. And obviously the Houston Texans were a better team. Absolutely. Um, I want to finish up our conversation on Calais Campbell. Uh, we before the break, you had brought up a quote he said on Pat McAfee's show yeah. about, uh, "Hey, he thought he'd get an extension before he'd be traded." Are yeah. you still surprised? At the end of the day, are you surprised that he's not in Jacksonville? Uh, are you surprised they made that move? Did they get enough? As now everything took shape, you know, in the middle of it all, Nick Foles was being traded away, mm-hmm. AJ Boye being traded away, the draft wasn't underway yet. Uh, the Jaguars have since reset their roster. No doubt the philosophy changed from like December, early January to March and April and, and where they started to rebuild and reload this thing in hopes of trying to get it right. Yeah, I think this year, but really, in my opinion, next year when they have a clean cap space and, and also more draft picks. So they're trying to reset this thing, reload it uh, quickly, quicker than they tried the first time around. But are you surprised that that? uh Calais Campbell isn't a part of it. Well, I'll never forget where I was when when it went down. I was on my I was on a plane back home to Wisconsin, and um, literally like the, the the news came up right when I'm getting on the plane. I think you were doing the show by yourself at the time, and I think I called you after I got back to Wisconsin. Whatever it was, but I remember having the update come on my phone and the news that Calais Campbell got traded, and of course it said Calais Campbell traded to the Baltimore Ravens for a fifth round pick, and I saw that I'm like, oh. 
the Jaguars are tanking. And now you know how I feel about the, the the phrase tanking. I think it's a loser's mentality. But when they got rid of him for that price, I'm like, what's going on? You know, and, and I got text messages from friends like, dude, what are the Jaguars doing? Just because, listen, and we've broken it down before on the wall that says it all. Calais Campbell didn't have his best year last year. Okay, I think he would be the first one to tell you that. Still a pro bowler. Pro Football Focus said he was the best defensive tackle um, you know, in the run game. So be it. I think my eyes tell me a little differently. But my point is, regardless of, of how he played during those games, Brent, it's not only what you get on the field, but off the field as well and in that locker room. And I think the fact that the Baltimore Ravens understood that, listen, we're maybe one piece away from def- on our defense going away from going to the Super Bowl. We need a guy that can come in here and stop Derrick Henry maybe again in the AFC uh, division game or championship game. Well, Clayus Campbell can be that type of guy. And to me, if Baltimore was willing to give him a fifth-round pick, you'd have to think out there that there were other teams maybe not as – glorified right now as the Baltimore Ravens who probably offered a little more. And I think that Dave Caldwell or Shad Khan did Calais Campbell him. They did him a solid by trading him to Baltimore, a team that can obviously win a Super Bowl as opposed to maybe trading him to, I don't know, pick your poison, like a Cincinnati Bengals team or something like that. So they did him a favor there. I am surprised though. I still sit here today on a Friday, July 17th, and I am still surprised that Calais Campbell is not on your Jacksonville Jaguars. I get the money standpoint, okay, and and I get how much of the salary cap that he was taking up, but how many times have we talked about this week, whether it's, you know, Frank, I'm not not Frank, whether it's Chris Jones, uh, whether it's Miles Garrett, who seems like the Cleveland Browns have paid everybody at this point, there's always money to move around, and there's always money to take care of your players. I just think at the point of his career and where the Jacksonville Jaguars were at of being the youngest team in the NFL, I felt like you should have kept Calais Campbell at least one more year because you know what? I don't care how much money it costs to keep him on the team. His production on the field and in that locker room would have been worth it. Yeah, I, it's hard to d- debate that it would have been worth it for the team. They, they, would they be better with Calais Campbell around and on the football field? I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how anybody else would say no, they wouldn't. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't know what they're going to get for the fifth round pick. Uh, but this was the time to do it. Fifth round pick. Plus, you got to remember, you clear, clearing salary cap space. That gives you flexibility as well. How much worse they are is only going to be determined by probably how Calais plays this year mm-hmm. in Baltimore and how they use him and how the Jags would have used him. I think their snap count would have gone down with Calais. Uh, they bring in Rodney Gunther, who, again, is not Calais Campbell. Absolutely not. But he's going to have to be. But, he is. but, yeah. but how, the, the question we will have to answer will be, how much of a void does he fill? How, how good is he? Uh, and, again, he's not going to be Calais Campbell. Don't go into those expectations. But they did sign him to, like, a three-year, I think, $18 million deal. They have expectations for him now. That's not just, uh, hey, let's sign this guy for $2 bucks and see what happens. That's pretty that's pretty decent investment in Gunther from Arizona trying to duplicate what they did uh, with Calais Campbell. But there's not nobody would say, hey, he's going to be on pace to be the Calais kind of player. But how much of the void does he fill? How much does Taven Bryan take a step? Guys like that, what they have done, then I think we'll get a better idea. I mean, was it a bad move? Was it a good move? I mean, do those guys close the gap? Does Calais continue to play at this extraordinary level. And then wherever that line is, you add in the fact, well, now you do you have cleared space. You've gotten younger. That does set you up better for the future. So this will be a question that we follow, like we ask uh, at the end of October, halfway through the season. Where are we on that situation at the end of the year? How did they do on this Calais deal? Because 
so many people didn't want to see it happen. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough guy to let go. I mean, I would have loved to see Kalea stay here for the remainder of his career, whether he was playing at the lights-out level he's played for three years or not. Well, and you have to ask the question, too, is what does it do to the development of our young defensive line? Okay, because we have Josh Allen. Is Josh Allen ready to take the role of leadership You know, on the defensive line? Because guess what, Brent? He might have to. With all due respect to Al Woods and Rodney Gunter, you, you want to have that bona fide, legit player to be that leader on that team. And Josh Allen may have to do that because, once again, we're not sure where Yannick Ngakwe is right now. Okay, We're not really sure the type of mentality he's going to bring to the team if he even comes back anytime soon. So like you have to have a guy like Josh Allen now to be the leader. The thing I loved about Clayus Campbell so much was, yes, he was a great person off the field. Everybody loved him, and he was a great leader in that locker room, but he had the talent to back it up. Okay. Now, I don't necessarily think he's like the most vocal guy. Um, always like, you know, getting under, you know, telling people what to do and things like that. No, but his, his skill set and, you know, his stats obviously backed up his captain status, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think going forward, Josh Allen has to be that guy. It, you just got to wonder, though, is it a little too soon for Josh Allen to be that guy? You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned Josh Allen. I still think Avery Jones could be a big player in sure. that as well. I think he, he's along that line. I yeah. think he'll be a well-respected. He's the most tenured Jag. And I do think guys like Al Woods and Gunther are going to have to have some of a role in that. I mean, they're going to have to play that role uh, to some degree. And you do have some experience on the line. It's not like they're all young guys. I mean, they are younger, but they're not all young guys. I mean, David Ryan now is going to three year three he followed he lived in the same apartment complex i believe as calais i mean he got a chance to see calais at work for a couple of years that had to be enough uh can he now take off now listen we've seen examples where it wasn't enough you almost need that we needed puzz to stay maybe for a year or two more for those guys at the linebacker spot it didn't it didn't work out so uh your point's a valid one how much of an impact he certainly would have made an impact uh and that's the criticism that you could you could give this uh front office for getting rid of a guy like that, especially if it backfires, because they that means they didn't learn their lesson. Because the the most vital mistake they made when they tried to build this thing in the first place, 13 and 14 especially, is they got rid of some of those guys, those that presence. They got rid of the Daryl Smiths of the world. Yep. And that hurt them. That set them back. That was a miscalculation on their part. Did they miscalculate again? Letting Calais Campbell go. I mean, time will tell the old uh, cliche. Let me ask you this question. In terms of that bridge guy, kind of like that leader that you can kind of pass the reins on in another year and all of a sudden you can cut him at the end of the year or trade him or whatever it is going to be, but he's going to be the guy that's going to bring the young guys along. And when they leave, you're comfortable with the young guys and what that leader has done. In terms of that bridge guy, if you had the option to keep one of them, would you have rather kept Calais Campbell or AJ Boye with how things shook out in the draft now? It's hmm. a good question. Uh, it, it's a good question, and people are like, well, "You're out of your mind, Brent." You'd absolutely want to say Calais Campbell. Yeah, but keep in mind, yeah, but you know I'm youth, going with it. The youth at the secondary position mm-hmm. is much more uh, eye popping than it is at the D line position. Now, who I think is underrated in all of this is DJ Hayden. So I don't want to put too much on the guy, but I think he is underrated in that sense. I don't think we think of DJ Hayden as the way we thought of maybe the veteran leadership of a Boye or a veteran leader like a Calais Campbell or going back to Puzz. I'm not saying he's those guys, Mm -hmm. but I do think I don't think we give him enough credit for having all this experience and for maybe being able to grab those guys and teach those guys and show them the ropes a little bit. Uh, So I think he's a valuable part of that, and I don't want to dismiss him. Uh, Again, if you're asking me which guy, pick one. 
I think over the entire locker room and organization and even in this city, Calais Campbell make a bigger difference than A.J. Boye. Sure. Uh, but I think your question's fair. I'd still probably take Calais Campbell. Yeah, I mean – I think I'm in the same boat as well, but you just think of, listen, you bring a first-round pick with C.J. Henderson, okay? And, like, obviously that's going to be your guy going forward. You just got to wonder what would you have right now if you had C.J. Henderson and A.J. Boye, you know? And obviously you were working Trey Herndon in there as well, who a lot of people like. And I think we both, um, you know, have saw some good things out of him as well. I just think that Boye could have maybe even been a bigger bridge for – for the youth and development of that secondary, just because like we just talked about, you have guys like Avery Jones, you have guys like Gunter coming in, you have guys like Al Woods who are a little more experienced, who can kind of offer their knowledge. And plus you have a guy like Josh Allen, who I think is ready for that leadership role, especially considering he's not built like a rookie last year, right? I mean, he's, he's mature beyond his years. He's a family man. So truth be told, I'm not necessarily worried about Josh Allen taking that next step forward. However, I could be worried about a little more in that secondary of how they respond, obviously being a young, young secondary and obviously going through a COVID-19 pandemic right now where they haven't had a lot of time to work together. Yeah, it's a great call. I I like the question. And again, I think it's unfortunate. I hate answering questions like this. I think we'll find out. Let's see the growing pains that secondary goes through. Let's see any advances or play uh, that... uh, that happened on the defensive line. I will say this. I think it will be harder to make up for the play of Calais yeah. than it is Boye. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boye, a lot of people, again, I'm not in this boat. A lot of people say he had a very disappointing year. I don't think he did. I don't think it was as disappointing as people want to mark it as. But I still think player-wise, Calais, the last three years, has been pretty remarkable on well, a lot of levels. Even when he's not playing his, his best, like as he admitted, like missed tackles and stuff, yeah. his num- he was still super productive. Well, and guess what? It was a disappointing defense last year at every spot, okay? So it wasn't just, I mean, if you want to say A.J. Boy, so be it, but I agree with you. I don't think he was as disappointing as people make him out to be. To be. All right, got an off-topic question a little bit. This is the question going through a lot of people's minds. If you have kids. Okay. Okay. All right. And... Today, I know Parent experts, Brent Martino and Austin Lane coming, yes. to, the, coming the to the table. TED here. Talk time. Yeah. Uh, I think we, down in St. John's County, I know I, there's a deadline, I think, today to determine what you want to do with schooling. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to figure out, hey, do you want to go back to, now, the, I, things could change from here on out. Who knows? Uh, as right now, school's scheduled to start, I think, August 10th. But I give you these three options, and there are actually more options. You could do, like, homeschooling and stuff like that. But I'm going to give you these three options. If yep. you were a kid. Oh, if I was a kid, okay. Yeah, yeah, you got. You're in the okay. kid well, spot. I thought I'm a parent because guess nah, what? All the my parents son's going. To, yeah, that's exactly what we said to our kindergarten teacher. Yes. Yep. Well, our son's coming every single day. Get ready. Have fun. So, if you were a high school kid, okay, high school Scott, kid, Scott, jump in here. Listen, do you one go to school mm-hmm. as normal mm-hmm. with the idea that, by the way, who knows what's going on? Right? They could easily pull that back. So, time out, real quick. Are we a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior? Because this makes a difference. Not even lying. What grade of, of high school are we? Well, in my house, they're fresh, freshmen. Okay, so we're going to be freshmen. Okay. 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 So, but you can name whatever kid you want to name. I don't Well, it's, there's a difference. I mean, there are all bunches. This is a question for the entire viewing audience, Brent, all million people. Scott, you can agree with me. There's a difference there, man. Absolutely. If you're, if you're a senior, there's you a difference in a freshman. freshman. You got something to prove. You're That's going out I'm as a senior, saying. you ain't got to prove nothing to Thank nobody. Thank you very much, Scott. We're on the same page, but go ahead with your question, Brent. <laughs> so you go to school. Yeah. But obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty with going to school. I mean, mm-hmm. by September, could they say, hey, everybody's back home? Or what happens if kids get. We really don't know. I mean, there's a lot of those questions still being asked. Okay. And by the way, this is not me jumping. I'm just going with what would you do? This is not the soapbox or, or the debate of what we should do with our schools. Okay. 
two is you can follow along at home, kind of this home learning, and you, you basically just sign into the class. But you got to sit there now in front of the computer, like 9.15 to 10 o'clock, you're in math. 10 o'clock, 10.05 to whatever, you're in English. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it basically because you're, you, you don't want to risk COVID-19 and be involved with, with all the people in school and all that stuff. Uh, the third option for a virtual school, which if you do Florida virtual school and you take, say, your class load, yeah, there is, at least according to my wife, there's this option that you can then go back to school in January. You, and you, so you, you do Florida virtual school for the first semester, yeah. keep pace, and then you can go in January and, and go to school normally once we see where all this is at. Okay. So those are your three options. Again, there is another option with like homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do homeschooling in a flexible virtual. There's a bunch of different things, but those are your three primary things. Okay. So let's go over them one more time. School. Yep. Basically school at home where you're on the computer and you're seeing the teacher and everybody in class, but they're doing it virtually. Yep. Uh, but you got to be there now. This isn't like, Hey, I can sleep until 11 and go then. On. And then hey, this catch is, up. This is my choice. I'm gonna be where I wanna be. Oh, okay. Hey, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm the high school kid right now. Taking attendance. Okay, I'm just saying I'm the high school kid right now. So whatever. This and then is my the, choice. And then the last one's virtual school, where again, given the option yeah. of in January, then I'll go in. Yeah. But you got your six classes now. You got to take care of your business and keep the pace. Yeah. With the virtual school, what's your what, what are you gonna do? You're oh, a freshman. Man, I'm a freshman. See, if I'm a freshman, I'm gone. Okay, I'm going and and I'm going to establish um, uh, a foundation. I'm going to establish a base. And I'm going to say, hey, my name's Austin Lane. I'm be here for four years. All right, get used to me. I don't want any of the hazing, anything like that. I'm just saying, listen, I'm here. Uh, I'm getting acclimated, so I'm going to school if I'm a, if I'm a freshman. Because I mean, it's it's an experience, man. Like going from middle school to high school, it's a it's an experience. True. Yeah, I'm on the same page for that. If if you're coming in as a freshman. You've got the whole opportunity in front of you to develop all those relationships, but you've got to define who are you in regards to everybody else you're going to be working with. And the best way to do that is by working with people. Um, kids today, are they concerned about the coronavirus? Probably not. They're preoccupied by other things. So I don't see them being as caught up in that as parents are. So were I a kid in that situation, I'd go to school. Mostly because when January rolls around and all those kids that took the virtual route and they decide to come back halfway through the year and tell me what's up, oh, no, son, it doesn't fly like that. Exactly. You're either in or you're out. You can't have it both ways. So if you're taking the virtual till January, sorry, but you're, you missed the boat and you're behind and now you're getting made fun of. But I've also <laughs> got to consider you've got, all, you the, uh, you've got <laughs> all the programs going on with regards to any kind of extracurriculars. Yeah. So if you're going to make the team, now's the time to do it. If you're going to go and uh, uh, introduce yourself to the hot cheerleader, now's the time to do it. <laughs> you know, you got to get in front of these hey, programs. Have you ever been to high school before, Brett? Uh, yeah, you I have. You know how high school works? The problem is, how do you tell if the cheerleader's hot because she's got a mask on? It's a good point. <laughs> Well, I, because there are other factors to consider. Hey, Brent, there's Facebook now. It's okay. All right, there's, there's, there's TikTok now. You can tell. Don't worry about it. All right? There, there's ways around that. You're acting like you've never been to high school before. So it's the Social crazy media thing, introduces a whole new paradigm to exactly. all of that. Here's, here's my thought. Like, I love how this changed for you guys, whether it was a freshman or not. 
Like, who remembers what you did in your freshman year? Oh, man. Hell yeah, I changed because I'm going to come in there and do the absolute minimum that's required to get my ass out the door. I don't know how they did it in Rhode Island. I don't know if you're mixing seniors and freshmen, but where I came from in Wisconsin, you had your freshman quick, you had your sophomore quick, you had your junior quick, and you had your senior quick. If you were a freshman, man, you had to establish dominance, okay? (laughs) You you had to come in there day one, ready to roll, or else they're going to roll all over you. I'm not even lying, dude. And if you're a senior... Hey, th- those last two months of your senior year, I'm not, I'm not, hey, all the kids listening out here, call your yeah, ears real quick, yeah, earmuffs, I, earmuffs. This is not where we're supposed to go with this. Do whatever you want. It's all good, man. You, you're, you they just graduated the last three months of the school year. <laughs> but I'm saying the whole freshman mentality to the senior menda- mentality, it is night and day, Brent. Night well, and day. As a freshman, you've got to do everything. You've got all of the things you got to pass, all the goals you got to achieve are in front of you. Yeah. As a senior, you've got a very short list of the things you have to accomplish <laughs> and the crap you have to take yep. before you're out there. And, and I, I trust me, like, and I had it made because I, I was a dude. And I'm not trying to be sexist here, but dude, our freshman girls, I, I felt bad for them because there, there was rules in place. It was like, you ever see Mean Girls? Yes. It's like a documentary, basically, Mean <laughs> Girls, because there was a rule where if you're a freshman girl, and you know how it works on Friday nights when if you play football, you can wear you know a guy's jersey, and that's a big yes. deal, right? Yeah. Well, if you're a freshman girl, you couldn't wear an upperclassman's jersey because one time a freshman girl wore a junior guy's uh, jersey and. It was like World War Three. Like Not good. Oh, you want to talk about just like I mean, sides being taken, um, fighting in the halls, arguing, dude. It, like it almost tore our whole school apart because a freshman wore a junior guy's jersey. I don't know if our show is helping parents make a good decision right now. <laughs> Uh, hey, I'm sure the times have changed. <laughs> hey, but here's the thing. Right now, with all the virus concerns and everything, it's the chess club's time to shine. <laughs> hey, by the way, let's enlighten us with all this dude talk and establishing your dominance yeah. in fr- as your freshman. Yeah. How many people were in your school? Uh, I had 250. In your school? In my school. I had 54 kids. Well, I had 51 kids because three of them got arrested, couldn't walk during graduation day. So I had 54 kids in my graduating class. So it might be a little bit different nope. at like uh, 2,500 Dude, enrollment. It's a microchasm of what bigger schools are. We had our quicks and everything. Just because we were small didn't mean we didn't pack a punch. We had everything going for us. We had 500 and something in my graduating oh, class, which insane. means we probably had somewhere in the neighborhood of... 1,500 freshmen coming in because people moved and you whittled them down and a lot of people dropped out. and Yeah, it's, it's maybe not the greatest endorsement for Jackson, but there it is. God, by the way, has the segment ever backfired so much for you in your entire I'm life? Calling I'm the sorry, week. my apologies. Where's our apology letter? You just said 1,500 might have entered and only 500 left. What is this, the Hunger Games? Well, you know, survival of the fittest. And, uh, well, and can, can we just be honest for a second? You wanted to raise the question because you wanted to know what to do with your own kids. I did. And, and now you're getting these answers. And you don't know what's going well, on so anymore. I'm not making the decision. I left it yeah. up to the kids to make the decision. Sure, sure, sure. But by the, uh, here's another note on this. Yeah. Is I never was a freshman in high school. We only had 10th, 11th, and 12th. Huh. So I was a sophomore. Yeah. Uh, that was my first year of high school. Rhode Island, man. Weird, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're one of the few that did. I think they're now do freshman class. I wanted to say the middle school is 6, 7, and 8, but our middle school was 7, 8, 9. Okay. And then high school was 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, there's just so much belief, I think, um, a teacher, you know, I always a teacher, so talking yeah. uh, amongst other people, that it could go in for two weeks of school and then be back 
yeah. in front of that computer option. Sure. Uh, well, doing it that way. And so <laughs> I think my kids might be leaning toward the six, the sit out the first semester sure. and jump in the second semester. And you've got so many different kind of academic programs now with magnet schools and charter yeah. schools and all kinds of different programs and special interests. Uh, you've got a couple of vocational programs and stuff, which is where we lost a lot of the kids from Jackson. True. They went out yeah. and got job yeah, well, skills and well, you know, yeah, they're, the they're accomplishing and things stuff. in their lives and I'm pressing play a lot. <laughs> Well, well, listen. Obviously, you have the advantage too because Steph's a teacher herself, right? And she she was a teacher and she's a tutor. Yeah, I don't so, think like, the teachers so, know that much more about this situation. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but I'm saying, like, at least like, it from she, that she, point of view. Yeah, from that point of view, exactly. But I'm just saying, man. I mean, if they go half and half, that's fine. But that first day, your freshman year, Ty hit. I mean, we'll see with, with Kaylee. But Ty hit me up, dude. I'll get you in the gym a little bit, some MMA, some MMA drilling a little bit, just in case some kind of senior starts to step up to you a little bit, dude. It's like soft tank redemption, man. Day one. You gotta establish something. Well, okay. Listen, my my thought with Ty is like he might be over the century mark by the time he gets here in <laughs> January. <we're> <laughs> so that's the goal, right? That's the Knees goal. Knees and elbows, son. Knees and elbows. <laughs> that's the goal. That's right. yeah. did, he, did he pitch well enough this summer to avoid anything? <laughs> 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 or hit well this summer. Uh, all right. Uh, anyway, good luck with your school choices. There's yeah. a lot going on with school. I'm glad we could help everybody out. I don't out. think that was a TED Talk that you want to listen to again. By the way, as a complete disclaimer, I have no children, so I have no parental experience. Yeah. So disqualify yeah. everything I threw out right well, there. Don't I worry. I think they did that all. Yeah, I have a five-year-old, but now how do you feel about me being a parent? I don't know. It is what it you, is. At least you have a few more years of training. <laughs> a few more years of training. <laughs> Give me that gym for sure. Faith in Cody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah without a doubt. Uh, when we come back, uh, Tiger Woods, how did he do today? A little thought on Major League Baseball as well. Where are we in the world of sports? John Bachman's going to join us uh, to help out another cause this weekend. And all you have to do is go play golf. I mean, what's better than that? Sign me up. It's next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jaren Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back. Some information coming out from the NFL about travel and how they're going to handle that uh, this upcoming season. So all these details are coming out uh, with the NFLPA and the NFL making um, some uh, new rules, if you will, and discussions ongoing with rookies scheduled to report, some players scheduled to report next week, and training camp uh, a little bit over a week away. The NFL's going off. They're going to try this thing. Yeah, That's crystal clear to me. They are trying this thing, and uh, September 10th will be opening day. I think the only thing, well, not the only thing, but the big question is preseason games or not. That would be probably the biggest one for fans. Uh, outside of that, it's uh, rock and roll time almost for the NFL, which uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but I kind of feel good about it. <laughs> so uh, give us a, a sense of normalcy, and we'll have some storylines around the Jacksonville Jaguars. Plenty to talk about. Uh, will we be able to witness it? I don't think you'll be able to witness it as fans, uh, at least uh, through the training camp and the preseason. Uh, but we'll keep you posted on all those uh, new details that are coming out. We have some of the travel things uh, in just a moment. Before we do that, we welcome in for the first time in a long, long Missed time. This guy, Used Brent. to sit right over there. Yeah. Now isn't allowed on this side of the building, quite frankly. Sure isn't. It's a shame. His name is John Bachman. 
from Action News Jax. He's going to be on at 5 o'clock. Just got off at 4 o'clock, I assume. Unless you have the day off, because I saw you on the golf course. What's up, Johnny Bachman? <laughs> Hi, fellas. No, I'm working. I was working at 4 o'clock, and right, I'll good. be working again at 5. Hey, right, listen, I'm not giving you a hard time. I haven't worked in like a month, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I have seen those posts from uh, from all those baseball and softball tournaments. You've been having a good uh, good run there, pal. Yeah, it's a good yeah, run. Now research. The word was research. Yeah, research. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Research. That's uh, what he told the bosses, huh? Uh, well, of course. Uh, back at it. I don't think I told yeah, the bosses well, anything, which is even even better. Well, because that's, that's me. Well, Brent, you, I think you are a boss. You're fine. No, that's, that helps. Uh, yeah. Oh, Brent, Brent wow. Austin Lane, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 <laughs> with John Bachman. How was old TPC Sawgrass oh. Stadium course today? Well, it was great. Actually, you know, they just redid a bunch of stuff there, yeah. and I was, wasn't expecting it to be in as good a shape as it was in. It was fantastic. And what a day. Uh, and I had a great time. I played with Len Matisse and a, a, a Corn Ferry Tour guy by the name of Philip Knowles. And this kid could play. He shot a 66 today. We played from the blue tees. He shot a 66 today, and he and he put one in the water on 17 and made five. Wow, dang. Uh, yeah. And he shot 60, what did you say, 67? Yeah, six under. Six oh, under. There was a stretch where he didn't make anything but threes, and we played a par five in that stretch. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, you're yep. working with uh, the first tee in North Florida and Len Matisse and uh, for something called Hashtag Play Day, uh, which is essentially started today, goes all weekend long. And uh, basically, here's how you get involved. You go play golf. That sounds like <laughs> yeah. fun. Uh, tell us a little yeah, bit more about tough, it. Isn't it? Yeah. So, well, as you know, COVID-19 has messed up everybody's plans. So charities are having a scramble. You guys have been doing a great job. With the Child Cancer Fund, Rich Jones at WOKV heads that up. They've raised a whole bunch of money. So shout out to those guys, and 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 I love uh, the the crew over there at the Child Cancer Fund. But uh, you know everybody is facing this. You know the budgets are being cut because fundraising events are not happening, or at least they're not happening as successfully as they would in person. And so at the first tee, you know the show goes on, and so. What we decided was, hey, let's pick a weekend where everybody, you know, might be playing some golf. And when you show up at the at the uh, pro shop, they'll say, hey, you want to donate ten dollars to the first tee of North Florida? You, you donate the ten dollars or more if you want. But for every ten dollars you donate, you get yourself entered into a chance to win a round of golf at the stadium course with a buddy. And with Len, and Len has offered to bring me along again. And basically that's just to, to, to make you guys feel good about yourselves because Len will shoot probably 66 to 68 out there. I fired a, a nice, smooth 92 today. Um, and <laughs> nice so, even number. A Four nice, holes, huh? smooth 92. <laughs> and so anyway, you'll, you'll feel good about yourself, and you'll get to play with an incredible player like Len, and he's just a great dude. And it's for a wonderful cause. So – you know, you're, you're going out, maybe you just have one one less or two less beer, two fewer beers, uh, and, 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 and have 10 bucks to go to a great cause and get a chance for an experience of a lifetime. That's you, awesome. You buried the lead. Uh, you, you shot 92 today. Uh, you want to play tomorrow for 100 bucks? Wow. <laughs> um, it, it, uh, Live gambling on ESPN 690. Awesome. I mean, for the first tee. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, so I did. I did do that. I, I pledged ten dollars for every par because I figured I wouldn't make any birdies. I pledged ten dollars for every par, 
and I still managed to donate seventy dollars, oh, which I thought go. was pretty good. Because nice. I mean, seven pars and shooting ninety-two is kind of hard to do. That, that <laughs> means there are a lot of crooked numbers in my game. Someone would say impossible, John. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I put some crooked numbers up there, but so tomorrow I'm playing with an, another group of buddies uh, out at St. John's Golf and Country Club, and I'm doing the same thing. $10 for a par, $20 for birdies, and I'm hoping to raise even more money tomorrow because really 70 is kind of embarrassing. I was, I really thought I could get to $100 at, at Sawgrass today, but it didn't happen. I think uh, John Bachman with us, Action News uh, Jack, CBS 47 and Fox 30, and uh, First Tee in North Florida on our minds. Uh, you can help uh, raise funds for them by playing golf this weekend, uh, simple as that. I think I saw you put out there, uh, Slammer and Squire, King of the Bear, World Golf Village, uh, you it tweeted something. Uh, in regards to them, is it just participating courses or no, 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 no? You can do that. Well, so what? What we've arranged is we've worked with these courses, high parks and other, and pretty much I think there are thirty or forty courses in Northeast Florida that are participating. Meaning, they will have something set up where they can take your money and that, and they'll, and you can write down your email address and all that stuff to be qualified into the donation and 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 for the for the drawing. But okay. you can go to uh, uh, first tee northflorida.org and you click on the hashtag play day at the top of that page that'll take you to that page and you don't and then you click on the donate button and that'll get you registered as well so if you're playing even if you're not playing golf and you and you want to donate that's what you can do go to first northflorida.org and click on the donate button uh, off the play day, and you'll you'll be able to get registered, and the money goes to a great cause. We're it's it's under it's underway, and it's actually you know we're we're doing pretty well. I, I've heard some pretty good numbers from different courses, so um, it, it should be a fun weekend. And the best thing is, is the reason I put hashtag play day in there, guys, is because I kind of want some pictures and you know post the score, talk some smack. That's the whole idea is that we make this sort of – ideally, this would be like a golf outing, but it's not a golf outing. So we're trying to make this kind of a virtual golf outing, right? I love and it. So, um, you know, post some pictures with the hashtag play day on there, and, and that way we can all kind of see what everybody's doing. That's that's the idea behind it. I love it. And then, of uh, course, uh, a great cause. So. Yeah, absolutely. First tee in North Florida, John Bachman uh, and Len Matisse helping lead the charge on this. I'm going to play over at uh, Eagle Harbor tomorrow, so uh, whether they're Good. participating or not, I'll do it. Uh, and, I'm sure and they donate. are, but yes. Uh, what, what are you do. doing? Pars and birdies? How much? I'm doing ten dollars for pars, twenty dollars for birdies. You in on that? Yeah, uh, and okay. uh, fifty dollars for an eagle. I like yes, it. fifty dollars for an eagle for sure. Yeah, come on, basis. I think uh, you know. Anybody else wants in on that? Let's, I mean, I, I, I'd love, I'd love a challenge, and 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 I'll post my uh, score tomorrow morning. And then if I could, I'm a busy man. I, I want to plug one more thing if I can. Yeah, do so. You both, got the big one coming yeah. up tomorrow. Yeah, so uh, both I'm, I, I, both these charities are near and dear to my heart, but Make-A-Wish uh, of uh, Central and North Florida, um, again, the major fundraising uh, events have been hurt by all this. So t- tomorrow we're having our virtual Walk for Wishes. Usually every year we raise hundreds of thousands of dollars in a big walk. It's usually down by Metro Park, and it's, it's really neat. Well, this year we're doing virtual. So if, if everybody will go out, take some video of them walking uh, tomorrow morning, um, there's going to be a Facebook uh, live event where uh, you'll get this, you know, be a part of this fundraising thing. Allie, one of our great Make-A-Wish kids, will be singing for us the national anthem. Anyway, it's going to be great. I'm going to uh, take my family out for a walk, and and you and you know, we're going to donate as, as we walk as well. Um, so that'll be a fantastic event as well. It's a virtual walk for wishes tomorrow for Make-A-Wish. 
I'm trying to think of something else I can plug. I don't know what else, but no, that, no, that's those good. Are the two big things for me. Yeah, now Walk and for Wish is coming that. up uh, virtually, so you can all participate. And so many of us have been walking so much during this pandemic, uh, my yep. family included, uh, Steph and I. So we'll do the same. Do you know how the best way to uh, make the donation on Make a Wish? Is there yeah. a website to hit? Yeah, there. There is a website for that, too, and that's just Make-A-Wish Central North Florida, and it's a, they've got a Facebook page, um, and I, I, I've shared a bunch of stuff on my pages as well, so if you want to go to my uh, Facebook page, John Bachman Action News Jax, uh, my Twitter page, Bachman A.N. Jax, um, I forget what my um, Instagram page is, but I'm on Instagram. It's, it's there. You, you can't miss it. You'll be able to find a link to it. And and it'd be great to, to get you to donate there. And I and I know that on our air we have been asking people to donate to so many things, and everybody's struggling. So I get it. But um, you know, it's for the kids. Absolutely, uh, John Bachman, CBS Forty Seven, Fox Thirty. Got to go on TV in, in just a little bit. Uh, you'll see me there tonight as well. CBS Forty Seven and Fox Thirty. Uh, let's end with this: Whose hair looks better, uh, mine or oh. George Washington? <laughs> I would. I am so happy you brought this up. I love that you guys are doing this. And I also love that I'm not part of it. <laughs> um, I would say right now, Guido's got you beat, man. The, the man is it, it, when he lets that thing. I like it better without the product. Now, Danny's been putting some product in there, and and I don't think I like it as much as when it's product free. Yeah, um, we call him George but, Washington on this show, by the way. <laughs> you do. Yeah. I like that. I like that. G-W. George Washington, GW. Um, that's a good that's a good name for him, and and he does he likes to think of himself as Clooney. I don't I don't think I think that's a little uh, I think that's shooting a little high for him, don't you? Uh, yeah, he's closer to GW. Well, and, well, <laughs> and Brent, and speaking of product too, man, you got product in today. Dude, I do. Don't worry about the product, okay? Take the top no. off of that GNC, GMC truck. <laughs> go, yes. go on Jack's yes. beach and let the breeze just. Curl it the way it's supposed to yes. be. Yes. The way God intended it. Okay. Stop trying Amen. to pull it down with this gel talk. It's ridiculous. Oh. Austin, I agree. I want yeah. to see it in its all its glory, man. Thank I'm you. Serious. You need yeah. to totally do that, Brett. You're doing yourself a service do it, right now. Do it. You're 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 kind of half in it right now. You I are. mean, don't put anything in it to just let it flow, baby. Yeah. Let, let it, it flow. flow. Let, let it flow. flow. Let it flow. <laughs> hey. Hey. Let let Bachman go. <laughs> Country music, back to school, and oh, now yeah. hairstyling I tips. Love it, man. You get it all on ESPN six ninety. Welcome to sports radio in a pandemic. You better believe it. John Bachman, thanks for stopping by, man. Uh, we'll hey. we'll uh, be a part of uh, Make a Wish and uh, First Tee in North Florida this weekend. Hashtag play day. Send me your pictures. Send me your scores. Send me your smack talk. And uh, you and I got a bet, buddy. Ten dollars for pars. $20 for birdies, and let's raise a lot of money for a lot of good organizations. Love it. Thanks, John. Appreciate you guys. You Take bet. care. Best Have a great weekend. You, you too, too, man. Yes. Uh, it's okay. John Bachman, CBS 47, Fox 30. You can catch from, uh, him and Tanika Hughes on uh, and Mike Borish as well at 5 o'clock, and uh, we'll be on there on the sports side coming up a little bit later on uh, after the show on CBS 47 and Fox 30. But once again, uh, if you're going to play golf this weekend, uh, keep in mind First Tee in North Florida and check in at the Pro Shop and see if uh, a donation would be great. Or you can join our challenge. We're going to do that because I'm playing tomorrow. Uh, I think Ty's going to play too. And John said he's going to do it $10 for 
$10 for par, $20 for birdie, $50 if you make eagle. That's the donation to the First Tee in North Florida. And also, if you got your walking shoes on and you're not playing golf, or even if you're playing golf and you're walking, uh, Make-A-Wish uh, Central North Florida, you can uh, donate as well. Walk for wishes virtually. And John is right about that. So many charities, and we're seeing it this weekend or this week with Carathon 2020 and Rich Jones and Child Cancer Fund. A lot of different options out there, of course, to help out. Uh, and they're upwards of, of close to $185,000 this week, I think. And uh, that's in a pandemic, man. That's pretty good. Nice job, Jacksonville. But it, it is a challenge for a lot of these uh, charities. And keep in mind, one of the big ramifications locally of losing the Players' Championship there this year was the charitable aspect. Mm-hmm. $9 million raised, I think it was, last year for the Players' Championship and all they do to help out. And they're going to continue to help in, in years going forward and also probably with their time more than money this year based on not having the tournament. But that's a lot of dollars that uh, will not be handed out to some of these charities. I know uh, for the Action Sports Shack Stream 18, we thought about not doing the golf tournament. We got some of our uh, great loyal sponsors back on board, and we're going to do it in middle September. It's great to hear. But I think a lot of folks are wrestling with that idea uh, of doing it or not. It's a tough time to put your hand out and ask for money, but also these great charities need uh, need our help too. So if you can do it, um, even in the smallest of ways, uh, pick uh, one or two of them and be a part of it. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's it's always a good you know it, it's always a good thing to give back, and especially now, I get it. Times are tough for everybody, but um, regardless, if you can spend you know your time, your effort, or even just a little money, um, it's going to go a long ways, especially with what's going on right now with COVID-19. <laughs> My wife just sent me this picture. Oh, and she said, "Are you confused?" Whoa! I had uh, I had. I don't know if I did this. I must have been the one that I had to. I think I was the last one out of the house today. So she shows me I had for lunch. Okay. Uh, just a. Uh, like an English muffin, yeah, with peanut butter on it. Yeah, that's what I ate for lunch. A okay. little light lunch today. Okay, that's that's okay. Gonna, come back. We don't have a lot in the house. No, that's legit. I'm not so, mad at that. She sends me a picture of the peanut butter in the refrigerator. Ooh, Brent. <laughs> hey, who's the MMA fighter here? Who's the former football player here, though, right? <laughs> What's up, man? You all right? So I put the peanut butter in the refrigerator. Yeah, apparently. Here's the thing. Did you have jelly, too? I didn't. Well, then there's no excuse, is there? Well, I'm just working on my own Uncrustables. (laughs) (laughs) You're an entrepreneur. Oh, man. Is there anything better than frozen peanut butter? It's like in front of a Powerade, which I don't even drink, but it must have been the kids. Sure. And next to Cool Whip. Hey man, uh, casual Fridays, Brett. Casual Fridays. I can't Brunch even, of champions. Yeah. I honestly can't even blame that on anybody. Oh no, like I gotta, ta- I gotta own that one. Take it. I Take put the, the peanut butter in the fridge. Take the L, man. It happens to the best of us, Brent. Dang it. Uh, Major League Baseball, Tiger Woods update. Some more football talk, including the travel plans for NFL teams. We'll bring it up next. Action Sports Jacks, ESPN 690. It's been a wild one. Hang with us on a Friday on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, one hour left in our Friday here on ESPN 690. Uh, hopefully you're on your way home, heading into a weekend or already home. And you can listen and watch the show, of course, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. 
I see other radio stations around the country are catching on to that Twitch thing. You better believe it. Hey, welcome to the party. We've been waiting on you. Absolutely. Pioneers. <laughs> now they <laughs> can take their it. number and sit down and watch the old dogs work. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> watch how it's done. But uh, you can always watch and listen uh, on all the social media platforms. You can listen on ESPN690.com from home and, of course, in your car on ESPN690. Ten different platforms in all. Okay, a lot more news coming out on the NFL. Dan Graziano all over it in the last half hour. How about this? Some of the NFL's travel rules for the year. No use of public or private transportation to or in other cities. At Red Right? Yes. No use of public or private transportation in other cities, basically. So, they can't even drive there. So basically, it's, is that Lyft and Uber? and? Yeah, so obviously when players have free time during the away games, you know, obviously you get there um, Saturday, usually Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. The coaches give you some time to go out and kind of do your own thing. Obviously, that's probably going to be only if it's in walking distance now. Uh, you can't take Uber. And a lot of the places are train. in walking distance, sure. but still guys will jump in and go to a steakhouse or somewhere like that yep. uh, all together, and that doesn't look like that's going to happen. Oh, wait a minute. We read down further. No leaving hotel to go to restaurants open to public? Ooh. Now, that is a that's, uh, seriously, that's, that's a, a lifestyle one, change for, that's for an NFL one. player. Saturday night, here's what happens. Team leaves, whatever, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. Usually land in the city they're playing in, 4 o'clock to the hotel, 5, 6 o'clock, or somewhere in that vicinity, depending on the amount of travel. And then, like you just said, there's a team meeting, I think, often later at night, like Correct. maybe around 9, 9.30, uh, kind of before bed. But in between that time, it's usually, hey, let's go grab a, a dinner here or there. That's part of the routine. Now it's, hey, you're sequestered basically to your hotel. See, th th this isn't good because keep in mind, too, though, I mean, the way it's set up is teams always have a team dinner that you can eat in the hotel, that that's your option, or you get you get like a stipend or a per diem where you can go out and then eat, you know, like a, as a position. you And that's that's the biggest thing, Brent. And as crazy as it sounds, that's a team bonding thing right there. You know, like usually like defensive linemen go out to eat together, linebackers go out to eat together. And I know you're saying, like, do they really need team bonding? Well, keep in mind, like, yes, you're at this stadium, you know, s six days a week, um, you know, practicing and everything like that. But then you go home to your families. Like, you don't really spend a lot of time with your teammates outside of the locker room, outside of the practice field um, in everyday life. And this is kind of like your chance to get away from football a little bit, go to a nice restaurant and do some team bonding. So the fact that that's taken away from players now, that's a big deal. Yeah, I think it will be a big deal. It says pub that's open to the public. I wonder if teams will try to coordinate with restaurants yeah. and say, hey, we're coming in. Can we get a, like a team meal type of thing, even though you're not open mm -hmm. to the public, almost like a catering yeah. for the players? Uh, if they could work with restaurants like that, that's what I'd be at least asking Yeah, and say, hey, uh, you know, Roots Chris or whatever. And you think maybe the hotels would make an arrangement around that with a conference room or something like that. So, again, if you don't have to get off property – you still got a resource with a big space where everybody can still get together and get some camaraderie before the uh, gameplay. Well, and that's the thing too, right? Like, I mean, they they have catering there. Like the hotel offers a dinner option that you can go to, but usually players like to go out a little bit, see the city, and just get out of get away from that hotel life a little bit. Obviously, now that's under jeopardy. No use of shared hotel facilities, pool, gym, etc. That that's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, no one ever really does that. They, they don't usually do yeah. it anyway. Yeah, it's usually uh, maybe you see a coach in the gym or something like that. Sure. That won't happen. Uh, other 2020 NFL team travel guidelines, according to Dan Graziano uh, from ESPN, masks required while traveling. 
buses at no more than 50% capacity. Now, that's a thing, because usually, like, I know the Jags travel party, they'll have, like, six buses, but so they're just probably going to have to order, like, eight buses. For sure. You know, to make sure the 50% capacity. Now, on top of that, there are usually more members of the travel party, and that will be limited. Mm-hmm. So maybe six buses will be enough uh, for the players, especially we're talking in the um, regular season when there's 53 players on the roster. At least one open seat between passengers on the plane. And again, I don't think that will be as much of an issue this year yeah. uh, because of the limited travel party. The, the travel party for the Jags, let's just say they have in excess of 50 people. This year, they're in excess might be 10. Correct. I don't know that. I'm just throwing out a, a scenario for yeah. you. But that's the way it's going to be. It's it has not, to be. Like, we travel with the team mm-hmm. on the TV side. I don't think we're traveling with the team. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I've not been told directly that yet but i'd be shocked if we are and therefore are we even going on the road with the team this year from a media standpoint that will give you an idea uh, some of the sponsors some of the other folks that normally might travel with the team not happening uh and so uh you know the one issue teams have had anyway in recent years are planes getting an, the bigger size planes because they don't really make them the, the way they used to and so uh, this will alleviate some of that for some teams as well. Uh, I don't know if the Jags are going with their normal um, company that they have been the last couple of years, it's, which is a pretty big plane. It's really used for international travel. So a lot of uh, new guidelines put out by the NFL when it comes to travel. Some more guidelines uh, for return to play following a positive test. Let's see if this makes some sense. First time I'm reading it. Players who have tested positive, recovered, or who have tested positive for antibodies will undergo additional cardiac screening. Following a mild symptomatic infection, complete a minimum three-day progressive exercise protocol under team medical staff supervision with appropriate clinical monitoring. Those are a lot of words, which basically relies on the staff, which is something you've brought up in the past, to kind of clear them. Is that a good enough checks and balance You've said, you know, I following a moderate to severe infection. Now, that one was for the mild infection, mm-hmm. moderate to severe infection, complete a progressive exercise protocol for a recommended seven days or equal to twice the duration of the hospital hospitalization. So they're basically saying if a player has to be hospitalized for COVID-19, you have to at least come out of there and have seven days uh, of getting back. Yeah. You know, think about it as like concussion protocol. Yep. Totally different. But. Think about it like that. You have seven days to get back or just if you stay in the hospital for three days, you, you, you can do it in six sure. to get back. So I guess there's some sense in that. Um, and we'll, well see how it goes. And by the way, I don't know. if I wouldn't be surprised if a court, like by week six, some of this stuff changed. Yeah. You know, uh, well, and listen, and I'm going to be very adamant here. And I've talked about this before, but I'm, I'm going to drive this point home. If you're going to rely on team doctors to determine, you know, the health and the safety of, you know, the the, the COVID-19 patients, I just think you're going to ask for problems. Okay, Um, we talk about the importance of concussions now in the NFL and, and then the study of that and obviously having a third party testing concussions where it's like, listen, you can be a team doctor. You can say the guy's ready to play. But if that third team party guy doesn't clear him then he's, he's, he's out of the game, right? Because they're trying to save the player from themselves. I just feel like right now, if we have COVID-19, and I understand, I know what the numbers are and everything like that, I know what the percentages are, but if we're going to rely on team doctors that you know, obviously are very close to the team to d- determine whether a guy can play or not, 
I think you're going to have some situations down the line when the games get super important where teams might be bending the rules a little bit to try to get the most you know players out there as possible. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see uh, you know uh, that part of it, or well, will we see that part of it? Mm-hmm. We might just not know. It might just be assumed that yeah. it could be happening. One other thing I think is interesting from Graziano here. He just said this in the last 10 minutes. Released today by the NFL, uh, protocols released today by the NFL and NFLPA say players must wear Connexon proximity recording devices. Now, this is interesting. Hang tight on this with me. While they're in the facility, at practice, or traveling with the team. And what these devices do, they'll be used to monitor in-game close contacts for contact tracing in case someone tests positive. What This is fascinating science here in technology. Yeah, sounds because, like it. So what they're saying is, if you're a play, say you're a, a tight end, mm-hmm. right? And you went in motion in a play. And you... Uh, went to block, and you blocked the defensive end. Mm-hmm. You know, help chip on, on that guy, whatever. And then later in the game, you caught a pass, and you were tackled by the safety. Well, that tracing is going to basically say, hey, you came in close contact with that defensive end, that safety, <laughs> this player. And so that player will then and, – and by the way, in this case, what yeah. I'm giving you – they test positive. That tight end does. Then well, it's going to be a trickle down effect. It will we can be like, see. hey, call the Houston Texans and tell them that he was in close contact with that defensive end. Yeah. And that's it. At least that's the way I read it. Dang, this is like some like upgraded laser tag kind of stuff <laughs> here. Kind you of know what I'm saying? It's like a video game in that wow. sense. But now you already know. For Man. years and years, the Jags, from a um, analytical point of view. They've had this chip in their shoulder pads. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, you walk it, out of the, the locker room and it triggers, right? Is that when it started? It started that long ago. Yeah. Wow, it's, it's, I can't believe it's been around that long. Mm-hmm. But what it does, that thing does is it reads all sorts of things, like your yep. heart rate, I think. It reads how fast you might have gone in a Correct. practice. It, it, you know, whatever other things. There, there, there's something, it's like the force. So if you deliver a hit, it says it's like the the, the pounds per square inch or whatever. It's yeah. way, way past my pay grade. But it, it tells you like how hard you hit somebody in case there's concussion symptoms. You can see how hard you hit somebody, it, stuff like and that. And so the idea of that is not only to monitor, hey, this guy did this, this in practice. He's really performing. It's yeah. almost like it's it's a little bit of a, hey, you can't cheat the system here. You oh, better no, go hard in practice or it's going to tell us that you're not going hard in practice. Exactly. There's a little bit of that going on. Well, and the most messed up part about it is you, you can't. Feel like you're wearing it. You know, you could have the excuse like, "What?" Because we used to wear like these heart rate monitors right yeah, across yeah, our yeah. chests, yeah. and they wanted you to wear it. Well, some players would be like, "Dude, I can't breathe with this thing on. I'm not going to wear this you thing." Take it off. All right, cool. Check this out. And all of a sudden, Microsoft or whatever releases like this little chip that goes in your shoulder pads. Don't even know it's there, man. Yeah. You know, so you there's no excuses. Don't even know yet. No excuses anymore. And and so, but the I think the main idea of that is kind of what you said a little bit concussion, but it's a little less likely in practice. Yeah. I think uh, it's more for recovery. It's like to give the trainer say, hey, he did this, this, this. He exerted this kind of energy. Here's a good recovery plan. Uh, get him this kind of shake. He needs to drink 84 ounces of water. He needs yeah. a, all those kind of things, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's that for recovery. It's obviously used as a tool, too, for coaches where it's like, all right, how hard are we pushing our guys right now? True. Do we take off the reins a little bit? Good Do point. we push them a little harder? So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of data there that gets used by a lot of people. Yeah, so anyway, that's what, to me, this reminds me of. Sure. Instead, this is just a close contact thing. I mean, mm-hmm. could we see it? day like if if there's no like quick end to this and this carries on and on and on that we're all wearing these kind of chips 
I mean, like, and we know who, like, instead, like, we don't have to write down who we're in contact with. Yeah. But we're actually wearing a device that says what we're in contact well, with. Well, speaking of writing down, I'm going to need you to, to write down who manufactures that thing because I'm about to buy some stock options because it's, yeah. Because, I mean, if we go next couple of years and COVID-19 is still a thing, I could definitely see that, especially in a workplace environment. Not going to lie. There's, we give a lot of different advice and TED Talks on this show. Yeah. But There's already I, an interesting thing that's going on uh, with cell phones. If you've got your Bluetooth enabled, mm-hmm. that a lot of cell phone companies have enabled an, a natural reporting system so that it will keep track of particular locations by your GPS Dang. and indicate if you have been in particular hot spots so that you can be warned whether or not you need to uh, be aware of your surroundings and maybe go talk to a doctor afterwards well, just to check for risk of exposure. Well, being here in Florida, man, I mean, I, I turn my Bluetooth off. I get it. <laughs> it's going to be going off the whole time. I'm going to take a step outside. <laughs> beep, beep. But yeah, I, I get it. We're in a hot spot right now. We're going to be okay. Yeah, I'm good. What's lighting up red all around you right now? Uh, the uh, the I checked uh, from a financial situation here. Uh, I checked this. The NBA came out with that thing. Remember they had that? We, we talked about that. Right? The ring. Yeah, it was yeah. a ring. Yeah, yeah. Well, I checked right away. Yeah. They weren't uh, public. <sighs> cowards. Yeah. Just straight cowards. So you couldn't buy their stock? Yeah. Cowards. All right. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Maybe well, guess, uh, hey, check on that, though, folks, because that I'm could be a saying, big thing. If I don't have fantasy football to go off of, I need something to, to put some money down on. I'm a degenerate, after all. <laughs> Might as well go to the stock market. Uh, so anyway, that's the update. It's pretty involved. I, yeah. Listen, I continue to tip my cap to both sides there, but also anybody in charge of anything, whether it's our company, uh, your company, your place of work, sports teams. This is a tough situation. It's a tough read, I think, as just a citizen. Of what we like to believe what you're reading or what data should we see or know or, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into it. I think this is challenging. And so I give them credit. I don't know if this stuff's going to work. Mm -hmm. I give them credit for at least trying to come up with it. It sure sounds like it's going to be costly. Uh, to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. It's additional cost with not as much coming in, by the way, in 2020. So, again, from a business structure, I'm not asking, don't feel bad for these guys. I think they've got plenty of money. But from the business structure, it's going to change the dynamic of the NFL in 2020 and so many other businesses, of course, uh, who are taking these kind of precautions. At the end of the day, let's be honest, the NFL can afford it. And, yes. it, and if times get tough, go to Patrick Mahomes. He could probably write you a loan for a little <laughs> bit. So it's all good. He, uh, he probably can. Yeah. Uh, Sam Fortier, I think is how you say it, uh, covers the Washington Redskins. Mm. DJ Swearinger posted on his Instagram an exchange between him and uh, former head coach Jay Gruden. Mm-hmm. What do you make of it? Uh, and I guess the – I want to say who Fortier is from. Oh, he's from the Washington Post uh, as yeah. well mm-hmm. uh, and, and covers uh, the Redskins. Um, and he, he tweeted the post by Swearinger who once played for the Redskins. Correct. And it, it has an exchange and it's, it's, I can't repeat it, but it's an exchange back and forth. Uh, I think this must've been during a time where Swearinger was probably going through whether he wanted to play or not, or maybe some contract stuff. Yeah. And so it's, it's pretty interesting read. You, you'll have to go back again because well, I can't really say it in its full context. Sure. Listen, here, I'm just going to give my two cents about it, okay? Um, there's two screen caps here. The, 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 the first screen cap or screenshot is of Swearinger's 
interaction with Jay Gruden. And in that interaction, it appears that Jay Gruden used some expletive language. Well, guess what? He's a football coach. Welcome to the NFL. But he, at least I get the vibe that he's trying to establish dominance or like trying to fight. I mean, you know, because there's one point in this conversation where he goes, you want to meet? We can meet tonight or tomorrow. If someone tells me that, and I'll, listen, let, let's go ahead and put ourselves in the situation real quick. It's not a high school player we're talking about, okay? This isn't a college player we're talking about. We're talking about a bunch of grown men in the National Football League, okay? And it's just, in my opinion, the way Jay Gruden kind of talked to Swearinger, kind of challenged him, if you will, I'll be honest with you. It, it rubs me the wrong way a little bit. I think it would rub a lot of players the wrong way. So then as we go on to the next screenshot, the second one, Swearinger, uh, yeah, so then he, he goes into, Swearinger goes into kind of what led to this dialogue and supposedly what had happened was i guess the giants got uh, the giants blew out the redskins swearinger had some comments after the game i guess somebody told gruden that swearinger said something about him and his coaching style even though that that never really took place so there's a miscommunication there we all talk about miscommunications in the locker rooms well this is a big one and obviously swearinger at the end goes since right now washington um is being exposed I, I want to give the exact quote here so I don't mess this up. One second, please. All right. So I was going to give this man a pass, talking about Jay Gruden, obviously. But after what's going on with the organization with women, they all need to be exposed. I have a daughter to raise. And then he posted that picture of, of the cell phone conversation. I, what's interesting to me there is that final line. I understand yeah. the allegations are with the uh, sexual harassment against Washington Redskins. Not Jay Gruden, by the way, not involved in that, Correct. according to the Washington Post article. But what's interesting is he that conversation on the Twitter had nothing to do or on the texting no. had nothing to do with women. And so I, it was interesting that he turned it to, to the his, allegations and to his daughter, and his daughter into based it. on and the conversation that he shared on the text. That kind of confused me a little bit on, on Swearinger. Well, like it, that didn't add up. I say, hey, we had some rough conversations. I, yeah. I don't like the way I was treated, all those kind of things. That, that, that would be one thing. It wasn't yeah. very professional. But then to shift it into I was going to give the man a pass, but after what's going on with that organization with women, they all need to be exposed. Like so, It doesn't add up to what the texting was. And, and this is my issue, right? Because according to that text message, what we saw Swearinger post, it's all about a mis- communication regarding a press conference now whatever Gruden said he said and it wasn't right maybe maybe not that's not the point though the fact of the matter is listen though these, these are two different things right now yeah I, and i'm not to say like this isn't a big deal obviously it's a big deal to swearinger but listen man okay don't you don't need to bring your daughter into this right now just if it was me i would have texted Gruden like a man i wouldn't even put this on social media and i understand right now it's kind of the way of the modern era nfl athlete or kind of the modern way of society where we, we post the receipts we go back in time and we expose people but to me man it's not even in the same ballpark so if you got a problem with gruden i feel like this could have been handled behind the scenes but now you want to bring this to light it's just it's confusing to me well to be honest with you i think it of of what we heard what could might maybe come out yeah. based on rumors on social media two days ago involving potentially gruden yeah. to now where we are with swearinger in terms of that text net it's like yeah. Okay, that's really like nothing compared to what Without a it, everybody said was going to. Yeah. Now, again, you can not like it. You don't feel like you were respected. Well, all that stuff. Um, and Swearinger brought it to light. Again, I just I think exactly what you said. This is two different issues here. And he kind of morphed the two together, which I think is a little dangerous and and and, and probably not the proper thing to do in this situation, given the 
allegations and the severity of those allegations. I mean, those are two different things, like how you handle things as a football coach versus what uh, the Washington Post article said about the Washington Redskins organization. Well, and listen, Brent, you know how I operate, man. I always take the player's side like nine times out of ten. But on this situation, I can't come along with Swearinger here because guess what? And I get it. If it's there for us to see, he probably shouldn't text you with that kind of tone, so be it. But show me a football player who hasn't been disrespected at least once by a coach. I you know, know unless your name's J.J. Watt, you've probably been disrespected by a coach at least one time. My okay? first reaction to you, actually, when we brought this up was as we were going in a break, I yeah. was like, don't football coaches say that stuff sometimes? Yeah. Well, and so, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just yeah. saying, don't they say that stuff well, sometimes? No, they, they, they do say that kind well, of stuff. not just football coaches. Yeah, coaches. for sure. And listen, and I've been disrespected many times. I can name any names, obviously. I don't have any receipts to show, okay? <laughs> They're going to stay in my pocket, and when those tax returns come, maybe I'll expose them. But until that time, I'm just chilling here. I get the language from Gruden here. He kind of had an aggressive tone. Like, once again, he maybe wanted to fight somebody. I never had a, a coach wanting to fight me, okay? So... And obviously, they probably see me fight on the field a bunch of times, and you know, probably not the best guy to fight with. Not yeah. Josie. Uh, not even Josie, man. Now, Josie, listen, Josie's had his moments, and unfortunately, I can't tell those moments on here because there's no way I can tell a five-minute story about all the expletives I got thrown around. So that's a story for a different kind of podcast uh, and a different type of day. But regardless, though, in terms of, of Gruden, yeah, he probably shouldn't have said what he said with that kind of demeanor. But man, once again, Brad, I can't drive this point home enough. Don't you? Yes, I understand you felt disrespect, and that's great. Then handle it like a man, okay? To to put it in the same category as I think it was fifteen or sixteen cheerleaders coming forward alleging sexual harassment, man. That's a, that's a huge deal, okay? That can bring down an entire organization. A, a coach calling out a player, maybe wanting to fight. Sorry, man, that's not going to do anything for you. So I, I don't know why he did that. I don't, I'm not sure what the end goal is here, but I don't see much coming from it. No, I don't either. Let me ask you one thing about Gruden uh, and the Jay Gruden stuff because it's been kind of surfacing over the last couple of days. When this is going on with Washington mm-hmm. and the dirt is flying, man, the mud is being thrown around and people are digging. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Jags are concerned? right now based again you got to go off fact i'm not here to talk and spread rumor and all that but it's been brought up time and time again whether it's the rumors that are flying around whether it was the washington post article coming out because they knew he was the head coach in washington and obviously is so associated with that organization for quite some time whether it's even this with dj swearinger Mm -hmm. are the jags concerned do you think they should be concerned as we sit here a week and a half from camp and their offensive coordinator's name is making some headlines and we still don't even know if it's fact or fiction on some of these things, but it does make you wonder, okay, what's coming tomorrow? Mm-hmm. What's coming next week? Is there anything else? Listen, um, if you're in that front office right now, how could you not be concerned? Okay. I talk about it all the time, Brent. Usually when there's smoke, there can be some fire. Okay. And... Obviously, everyone's innocent until proven guilty, so we'll see what happens. But I'm just saying from from the Jacksonville's front office spot, you ha- I'm sure that they're making their calls right now. They're asking around, and they're obviously probably talking to Gruden, too, just to kind of get their bases covered because the last thing you want to have happen is all of a sudden some more stuff come out about your, your newly appointed offensive coordinator, and you're sitting here you know, wondering, well, what do we do now? Like You have to be ahead of this thing just in case. So it's kind of like that worst case, and it's, you know, it's like the worst case, scenario game prep here but you have to cover all your bases yeah i i I don't know what you can do i mean you start digging around you get in front of anything if there is anything i feel like 
Gruden and the Jags got by that initial bombshell. Mm -hmm. And that's what everybody was anticipating. Are you going to see some things about like this? Well, I think that's the nature of the beast. Sometimes, you know, listen, are you telling me that every coach in the NFL has has acted uh, just to a T? You know, some will be exposed. Some will not. Heck, we've seen Dabo Swinney. And his coaching staff under fire in the last few months uh, for for things we've seen Iowa uh, yes. as well, and and those are different circumstances. But you get my point. Uh, I would I think even uh, you know Doug Marone coming out of the Buffalo days, yeah, you know, there were stories about that, stories written, stories said. How much was true? How much wasn't? Uh, I think that's part of it, and kind of what you it's, said. It's, it's a little bit a part of today's society yeah. where it's like, hey, we're throwing this out there. This makes me feel better. Like, really, what's Swearinger's motivation here? I don't get like it. I said, Again, I don't be, get the tie-in. Just be a man. If you really got a pro- – I mean, obviously, this has been stemming for a while because he's held on to these text messages. If you truly got a problem with him, go go to him face-to-face and see what's up then. Simple as that. Yeah. You know, I don't – I don't, don't love it. the tactic there. Yeah. Um, and if that's the most they've got on Jay Gruden, yeah. well, the Jags can well, breathe a sigh of relief. And needless to say, I can't wait till you make me mad one day and I put away your text messages you've been sending me. <laughs> Of all your threats. Look what Brent Martin has threatened me with. Hey, by the way, sincerely, there's a reason I don't have a station issue phone. (laughs) Like, I get my own. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Off the grid. Never know what you're going to say. You're off the grid, man. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, uh, One other thing about about that, uh, this is probably silly Mm -hmm. to even say. But the Jags are actually, it, let's just, worst case scenario, something happened, and Jags didn't like it. Now, again, this is not a great scenario regardless. You're, you're weeks away, days away from starting camp and all this other stuff, and the work that's already tried to be put in place. There is a plan B, though. They do have Ben McAdoo, yep. who's done it before. Yep. So, I mean, they're actually set up in a, in a halfway decent way in that sense. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, not ideal. Nothing seems to be ideal these days. Mm-hmm. And I'm also not uh, go, sitting here and trying to assume that something will go bad like that. I'm just saying worst case scenario, yeah. if something were to come up, uh, which I don't anticipate and haven't heard, then they do have a guy that's that's done it and been a head coach and all those things, an offensive-minded guy yeah. uh, as their QB coach right now in Ben McAdoo. Well, it, absolutely, and that's kind of immediately where my head went when I started to see these rumors a little bit about Gruden. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen now? But I'm like, all right, well, they do have plan B in Ben McAdoo, and that's going to be okay. Now, keep in mind, maybe some of the terminology is going to change a little bit. I mean, the, the, there is going to be an adjustment. Once again, we're speaking in, in, in yeah, theoretical. Is, I mean, this is talking about hypothetical yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. degree. Yeah, but. exactly. But just to, to kind of go through it real quick, I mean, obviously the terminology could be different, but Ben McAdoo has been there before, and you like his chances better than a lot of quarterback coaches out there right now to, to lead an offense. Let's a, just say it like that. A Tiger Woods update and a thought on Major League Baseball. We take a break. Uh, one more segment to go here on a Friday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us. Here on a Friday. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. All right, I got a question for you. I got an answer, hopefully. As a competitor. You that, lose that to I a am. team. Okay. Say you're in the playoffs and you lose in the first round to Baltimore. Oh, he's already mad. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm at a rate right now. Do you want to Baltimore to win the whole thing, Ooh. or do you want them to lose? 
Oh, that's a great question. Well, let's look at it from my perspective, right? Let's look at it from my MMA career, right? I fought Greg Hardy, chance to go to the UFC. Greg Hardy beats me, takes my spot as in the UFC now. So do I want to see Greg Hardy do well or do I want to see Greg Hardy struggle? To be 100% honest here, Brent, I think it applies the same way in football. It's a 50-50 thing. Because, I mean, either way, you're ticked off because you lost, right? So you're not going to win, obviously. But a part of you wants to say, you know what? Let him go to the championship. Let him go to the to the highest point of the sport because then that justifies it. And the other part wants to say, well, you know what? It's kind of like that crab pot mentality where, obviously, if crabs work together, they can get out of a crab pot. But they don't. They pull each other back down on the pot so nobody escapes. You kind of get that crab cut, crab pot mentality a little bit as well where it's like, well, if I'm going to be miserable, I want to see you be miserable too as well, right? <laughs> so I think at the end of the day, in my personal experiences, in my opinion – I want to see him do great. I don't want to be a hater. I don't wish, wish ill will on anybody. Um, but if we're talking about football, then yeah, screw it. As long as if you lose, well, welcome to the doldrums with me, and we can both be miserable together. Yeah, I, I think my mind goes to that first. Yeah. Like, I want him to lose. Yeah. But then after, like, some of that emotion settles down, you're kind of like, well, but you lost to the best team. If they True. won it all or something, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's what I was saying the other day. I think sometimes people give like the Patriots too much credit mm-hmm. because like almost too much respect, not credit, too much respect to be like, well, okay, we lost to the Patriots. At least we lost to the Patriots. Screw that, man. Mm-hmm. Beat the Patriots. Yeah. You know, I don't like that attitude. I like that mentality. So I'm, that's where my mind goes first is like, nah, I don't want you guys to do well exactly. because I feel like if you win it all, if we had just made a play or two and won, we could have won it all. Well, well let's think about it too. <laughs> If you're a playoff team, one of the, I mean, literally the worst thing, and I, I was never a playoff contender, so I wouldn't know this, but I, I remember my days from Little League, and I've always been a competitor. One of the worst things to do if you make the playoffs and you try to make a run at a championship is when you lose watching that team celebrate. Right. I mean, we're, we're always reminded of like the World Series. Right. Even like last year, the Nationals yeah. win and everything. And you, it was the Astros that were in the dugout just, you know, staring. Cause that's all you can do. Right. And it's, it's one of the worst feelings in the world is seeing your opponent, the, the, the person that you're supposed to defeat, celebrating, you know, just on on high right now. And you're just sitting there miserable. Well, imagine then if you watch him go to the Super Bowl or something like that and you see him on TV doing snow angels and the confetti, it would make you probably feel even more miserable. So I agree with you. But I think you want to see the team struggle just like you did. Yeah. It's, but, well, and I don't know. I don't know the answer. Again, I think it depends when you ask. If you ask right after or a couple hours after, I think then you look back on it. Yeah. You know how I got Call on this? Call me a hater, but I'll be a hater all day. Yeah, I, well, I got to think I about think the situation just, on it, though, because well, yeah. you, you bring up your example with uh, Greg Hardy. Yeah. And and getting into the UFC. That doesn't necessarily mean that Greg Hardy gets into opportunities for championships, but it does mean he got an opportunity to contract, and, and okay, there's yep. cause to drink some haterade there. Yep. Uh, if, for example, though, you're talking about the playoff situation, you lose to a team, and that team's got, we'll call it two more games, or say it's the uh, the AFC or NFC championship, you've got one more game, and you're going to be the Super Bowl champion. It's a different scenario in that case because the goal is right there. It's it's so immediate. It's a good point. And in that case, after I get over the initial frustration, I want to see that team go all the way just because then I got beat by the champ. Yeah. And And that's a a slightly different perspective. Yeah. To get beat by an also ran, that doesn't do me any satisfaction. It doesn't boost my stock. But if I could go toe to toe with the champ, 
Yeah. And I lose to the champ. That's a good point. Well, I lost to the champ. It's the Ric Flair syndrome. Yeah. I like that. That's a good point. I think a lot of people b- agree with you, too. I think yeah. a lot of, I think it is who it is. It depends. See, I think the Greg Hardy is interesting because, like, can you really root for Greg Hardy, right? It's hard yeah. to root for Greg Hardy. I mean, yeah. he's not the most, the guy that you really want to root well, for. No, take that out of him. I'm just saying from my perspective, though, like, yeah, if he a, does well, like, if he, if he gets a title shot where it's like, whoa, look at it, what I, you know yeah, what I mean? If, yeah. Yeah. Lost yeah. To, yeah. To a guy who's doing that. Yeah, I get it. And yeah. it I, you know how all this came up? You know how it came up. I don't. Because the team we lost to yesterday. Oh, that's right. We yeah, lose yeah, four yeah. to three. Yeah, yeah. On an er- two error, uh, a couple errors in the seventh inning. Yeah, yeah. It was a good game. Did they win today? You know what they did? Uh-oh. They went on and won yesterday afternoon Domination. 14 to two. <laughs> they went on to win last night 8 to two. <laughs> they went on to win the semis today 10 nothing. And they went on to win the championship 10 nothing. They won the championship. They won it all. So could we have won it all is the question. You never know. Considering you hung like that with the guys that went all the way to the championship, hell yeah, be proud. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. yeah, and it's a very, I'm by the way, they're a very good oh, team. They're very good team, you know. Yeah. So did, do you did they say, smoke my team, 6-2, 8-2, 10-2? No, sir. <laughs> I do think it, I think it does kind of, it's like, uh, you know, that's where the respect does come in with the Patriots. Yeah. It's like, okay, in hindsight, all these years later, if you end your career and you're like, you know, Let's just say anybody that played for that Jacksonville Jaguars team in 17, and you're like, gosh, we got so close. We played so well. You know what? We thought we're, we're better than them, man. Mm-hmm. We're better than them. We were, we were up on them. We were dominating the game. But was it, it was probably closer on the scoreboard than, than it actually was on the field. And you're so mad and bitter, and it's the Patriots, and I hate them and all that stuff. But not, when you look back on your career, you're like, we got beat by Tom Brady, third and 18. We got beat by Tom Brady and and – Amendola or Edelman or whatever the one is, uh, whoever Hogan, caught the, whoever whoever was, caught yeah. the uh, ball. Yeah, Hogan, yeah. I think it was. You know, so insert white wide receiver, whoever <laughs> it is, not to be racial, but let's be honest, that's what the Patriots bring to the table. Here. Yeah, one yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, but Miles uh, Jack wasn't <laughs> down. Yeah. So I do think, in that sense, yeah, then maybe you are like, well, man, we got beat by the goat. But let's be honest, though, I think some of that, and I remember watching that game live, and I remember thinking like. That I mean, I was upset, obviously, but you know what I thought in the back of my mind? Wait till next year. You know, like, well, we're just getting started now. Like, Jacksonville football's back. Well, we saw how that turned out the following season then as well. That, by the way, is um, not the way I felt. No? No. Really? I, I thought there's no way we're, the Jags are getting back here for a long time. Really? And in the, in the, I just told somebody this this morning. Huh. I said, in that moment, yeah. my initial disappointment, like, if you go back and watch that post-game show, it was like we were miserable on TV huh, in that postgame yeah. show. And I'm telling you, all of it was based in my mind was they're not getting back here for a long time. Like That's how close they just were. We were t- they were 10 minutes. We were booking flights. Yeah. They were making pl- arrangements. Mm-hmm. And that's how close you are. And you just don't do that. Like wow. you don't do that. I did not fit. Now, I didn't feel like the Jags were going to go the way they were in 18 and 19. Sure. I, you just know you don't get those opportunities so much. That's the way no, I felt. I did yeah. not feel like, well, this is a stepping stone. I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel that way. Uh, and I don't know if it's because of the history of the Jags or whatever. But keep in mind, the folks Damn. that follow the Jacksonville Jaguars really closely, longtime fans, in 1999, 14 2, and obviously both losses to the Titans and then losing the AFC Championship to the Titans. And, and with that kind of team, probably thought, hey, you know, after the run we've had in uh, 96 to 99, man, we're going to be doing this a lot. Like, that would have been okay to say we're going to be doing that a lot. Well, it took. 18 years to get back to that stage. And in between, there was a, a lot of nothing. Yeah. Uh, not a lot to be excited about. The, my mind immediately when they lost that football game in 2017 to the Patriots was, 
it might take another 10 to 15 wow. years to get here. See, I mean, obviously, he, he might have been right. We'll see. The bouncer found you and said, bring. no, son, you're, you're in the cheap seats. You got to go. Yeah, that, man. By the way, that mentality might be from being a Red Sox fan all my life. <laughs> see, <laughs> yeah. I just uh, I just sat there, Brent, and I thought, okay, well, let's look at the situation real quick. Obviously, they lost a heartbreak in New England, but they have a very young running back coming back in Fortnite who seems to be the guy going forward. Yeah, you can get a wide receiver here or there, but their defense is legit. You have young guys and like Miles Jack and Jalen Ramsey and Yanni Kangakwe, I just thought they were so young and they had the right mixture combination of veteran leadership, but obviously the young guys too. I'm like, dude, they're going to be fine for the years to come. And then I remember, I think it was the second or third game of the season of the following year when they played New England at home mm-hmm. and they curb stomped them. I'm like, oh, yeah, see, exactly. Get your Super Bowl tickets right now because this team is the real deal. And then it just goes south so fast. Yeah. And it goes to show you that window, unless your name is the New England Patriots, is so short. Absolutely. And I, I actually think even if it didn't go as south as it did, say mm-hmm. the Jags still had a good year, right? And they win the division. Maybe they're 10 and 6. I just think you have to have so much go right, mm-hmm. even in January, to get there. Look at the Ravens. I mean, last year. And by the way, I'll say that even now. If you want to put yeah. money on it right this moment, whether Kansas City goes and repeats or they don't, I'll take the don't. Yeah. Because it's, it's hard, hard, man. It's so hard, and, yeah. and look how good they are, yep. right? Correct. And they've got everything back, mm-hmm. and they've really been there two years in a row, quite frankly, right on the doorstep, yep. and then they did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might it might sound crazy, but every single time, I'll take the field. And, you're and not wrong. It's, it's part History of the reason, shows that you're not wrong besides the it, New England Patriots. It, it, besides the Patriots yeah. and what they've been able to do. Now, not just Patriots, though. The Cowboys did it for a bit. True. The Bills got back there for quite a bit. The uh, 49ers back there. The Niners the, yeah. we, we don't like to talk stretch. about the Buffalo Bills getting back there, though. That's, <laughs> we don't go there. But they did it. You know, they did. I, yeah. I would have been you're against right. them back then, too, but they did. True. So it just uh, – that's why this year I still think my – I have the be- – if you give me the Ravens and the Chiefs – I'm still taking the other team, and that's why I picked the Colts. So because I'm saying I think another team will be in the Super Bowl, not one of those two. Okay, teams. so see, we're on two different pages, though. So you're talking about going to the Super Bowl. I'm saying winning a Super well, Bowl. And winning. Which, which is, well, you got to go first. The Bills but, never did that. True, true. Um, yeah, I mean, you sure do like the Colts, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I get well, where not, you're coming from. I don't from, think man. I love the Colts. I just don't love. I I, I feel like it's a false hope in a, in a way to fall in love so much. Yeah. With one team like the Chiefs or one team like the Ravens. Well, it was like the Patriots last year. People had the Patriots going again in the Super Bowl. I mean, they were number one in the power rankings. Right. And, and to be fair, they had a pretty good run. Yeah. Offense struggled. Defense was legit. But, like, look at last year, though, too, Brent, in the power rankings. I remember, you know where the Baltimore Ravens were? They were in, the, like, the mid-20s. Absolutely. No one expected the Ravens to do anything. I think it could be the, the Colts' effect this year like you're getting at, where, I mean, to be fair, I think... In my opinion, I think the Titans are win the division, much to the chagrin of Jaguars fans out there. And I think the Colts are getting some kind of respect. But I think the word on the street is, listen, Phillip Rivers is old. He's lost it. I mean, can that offensive line really bring the best out of him? Eh, we'll see. And who knows? Maybe Phillip Rivers finds finds the, the fountain of youth, if you will. And and he's a great leader. And he leads the Colts to a, a big run. You never know. And maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's Big Ben who comes back sure. as a monster year. Well, maybe maybe it's Cleveland who finally puts that. it yeah, together. Maybe it's Cleveland because my bet's on the line between <laughs> Baker Mayfield and Ben Roethlisberger. So or, come on or now. Or maybe it is the Bills. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that take a step that even a larger step than than some believe in getting into that. But there's always a or team maybe out there that McCaffrey no one's just puts about. it all on his shoulders and runs it in. How much more? 
can that guy put on his shoulders? <laughs> I mean, I understand they're broad, man, but are they that broad? Hey, Tiger Woods, by the way, three over today. Uh, well, three over for the tournament now. Four over today. Really struggled uh, during the middle part of his round. And uh, this Tiger Tracker is the best. I, don't, I mean, you don't have to like Tiger. Tiger Tracker on Twitter is unbelievable. Sure. Uh, he's the greatest. In fact, there are some times that I think I'd rather not watch Tiger's round and you just go Tiger watch Tracker? Tiger Tracker. Why not, man? Like, if you got it, use it. That's unhealthy, but I, at, <laughs> at somehow times how I feel. The box scores are less painful than the videos sometimes. <laughs> he says this. Here's a snapshot of how my afternoon is going. 2 p.m. out. Tiger missing the cut. 2.35 p.m. in. Tiger making the cut. 3 p.m. out. 3.09 in. 3.19 out. Day drinking, anyone? <laughs> he is awesome. Uh, Tiger Woods, by the way, three over. And so right he, now is he out? in. Oh, he's uh, in? Right now in. That that was like two hours ago he, okay. t- he tweeted that. So. Um, we'll see if Tiger makes it. Projected cut is four over. So I think he will make the weekend. Uh, the leaders are at nine under par. That's Ryan Palmer and Tony Finau. John Rahm, one shot back. And then Gary Woodland and company down at six under. Jim Furyk playing pretty well, four under par, uh, for Jim. Jordan Spieth in the top ten, four under for him as well. Some of the big names on this board that could make a run this weekend. Jason Day's in there. Rory McElroy's in there. Uh, so we'll see, uh, Justin Thomas even, um, one under par. Uh, he'll have to make quite a run. On the weekend. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, one baseball topic before we, we get out of here. And maybe it's something we'll continue even early next week as baseball season is on the verge. But uh, you brought up an article of Preston Wilson. Yeah. Right. Uh, with Sports he, he Yep. said something in Sports Illustrated. It was an article that came out this afternoon. And it's the title of the article is Why Baseball is Losing Black America. Mm-hmm. What was your take on it? Man, so obviously the way he feels right now, Brent, I think he's been pretty outspoken about this. He he kind of shares my same opinion with baseball. It's just it's losing that oomph, you know. It's losing America's pastime, and in my opinion, you know, it's probably the third most popular sport next to basketball and football. And it just seems like it's on this decline, even though they have some of the best players to ever play the game. And where this article goes a little bit is obviously the importance of the inner city kids, the importance of, uh, of you know, like the the black youth out there that can try to revitalize the game, you know, and kind of make it cool, if you will. And, um, you know, I mean, the, the, it's a long article, but the biggest thing I took away from it is the accessibility, right? Where we talk about basketball, all you need is what? All you need is a couple hoops, you need a basketball, you can play anywhere you want, you know? And that, that's why I think basketball is so big in inner cities because kids grow up playing it, kids grow up watching it, so it's always going to be there. And one could say with football, too, it's a little more challenging. You need the pads and the equipment, but football is still that cool sport and everything like that. With baseball and then the way, you know, the, the price tag and the way it's being so just, you know, individualized or I'm, I guess... Do you call it specialization? I guess specialization, yeah. specialization, where you know, like you have to play baseball year round to actually go someplace with it, and obviously it's an expensive thing to do. You see a lot of inner city youth, especially the you know the black youth that aren't for that, you know, and the parents unfortunately can't afford that stuff, so they they push them towards basketball or football or something like that. So it goes into a little bit of that, but it just it really explains the importance of if baseball wants to be more popular in the future, they have to cater to the the black youth out there. I've had a lot of thoughts on this. We've had these topics over the years, uh, this conversation over the years, and I think it has changed somewhat, but but there's probably a lot of similarities. There is a dollar 
expense to this. Listen, mm-hmm. we do travel baseball. We do travel softball. People do AAU. Yeah. People do seven-on-sevens. There's other things. It's yep. not the uh, the most expensive thing you can do. Heck, dance and cheerleading and, and other things, right? For sure. Um, but baseball does get kind of this identity of travel baseball. It's it's bad. It's it's um, uh, it's expensive, mm-hmm. and it eliminates uh, a certain demographic mm-hmm. uh, or socioeconomic mm-hmm. uh, group. And I think to some degree, listen, it's expensive. It can be expensive. It doesn't have to be always expensive, but it can be expensive. Uh, we were just in Hoover for like eight days. That's not cheap. Yeah. Thank goodness for Marriott points, or, and it wasn't so bad. <laughs> for sure, for but, sure. But you get the. I mean, listen, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it can be very expensive. Uh, I'll say this though. I saw something, and I noted this. It's interesting you brought up this article today, because. I felt like I saw more black baseball players yeah. this weekend or this past week mm. at a hundred team tournament sure. in in Hoover, Alabama. But that's not where we've been. Other tournaments like like uh, that size. Mm-hmm. I feel like I saw more black players than I've seen in a while. Yeah. Or maybe I just noticed it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, um, so that's a good thing. But the dollars are real. Like this article says, baseball is an expensive sport. Many play year round, spending as much as four grand to play in the winter. They return to their high school teams more polished, more likely to get playing time than the kids who can't afford the extra coaching. Uh, so that, and, and according to Brookings Institution, this is out of this article, the average net worth of a white family in 2016 was $171,000. Well, it seems like a lot. The average net worth of a black family was 17150 That alone puts young black players at a disadvantage. So yep. I do think there is an economic part of this. Sure. Uh, and, and I think those are numbers. Those are – it's not everybody, yep. uh, but these are averages and numbers that people are coming up with. And I think that is true what you just said about basketball. The Just go down the the, the playground yeah. and play in two Absolutely. hoops or put a hoop in your driveway, uh, whatever it might be. So there is a difference there. I think there's one thing, though. I think we go to the economy of it all the time too soon. I think there's yeah. also a cool nature of football and, and basketball that where whether it's African-American dads, yeah. families, or just kids feel that, that, hey, I gravitate toward this. I gravitate toward basketball. I gravitate toward football. Yeah. Where's the cool factor of baseball? Eh, not nearly as cool as those other two, right? Well, and keep in mind, too, like you, you talk about. Not just black kids gravitate toward football and basketball, yeah. but in that sense, white kids do, too. Well, and listen, you talk about the best baseball player right now going, it's Mike Trout, right? But let's be honest, how cool is Mike Trout? Mike Trout is a fantastic baseball player. If you follow the game of baseball, he's cool, man. You're impressed. Like, this dude's out of this world. But versus but, Lamar Jackson and LeBron exactly. James? Exactly. I mean,. Good luck with that, right? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that was – it was a great point in, in terms of – I think it's more than just how much a family makes, obviously. It's about the kid wanting to feel cool, and I, I agree with you there. Uh, a really crazy stat to me is – because I, I figured, like, once Ken Griffey Jr. was a thing, right, once Barry Bonds was a thing, like, that would drive up, you know, the the, the black youth. Unfortunately, it didn't. So according to Society of American Baseball Research, MLB actually peaked at 18.7% of African Americans in 1981. Last season, according to USA Today, that figure was 7.7. Wow. Crazy. Here's the one other thing I want to bring up. Yeah. And this is why I go away from the economics sometimes on this topic. And I just bring this up. Mm -hmm. The minority presence in Major League Baseball and in baseball is massive. It is. You do not see the Latino population, Hispanic population, playing basketball. It's true. And maybe even football, playing baseball. Mm -hmm. So... I've always had is two separate stories here. If you look at the minority involvement in baseball, 
it's actually quite Huge. large. Correct. If you look at the black population involvement in baseball, it's not. But does that mean the white participation has gone down because the Latino population has also gone up? Yeah. And has that pushed the black percentages down as well is what I wonder. Well, and it also begs the question, does Major League Baseball need the black per- percentage of players out there to help elevate the game to a new level? I think it certainly could use it. Yeah. And hopefully we're trending back in that way. And, and they've tried with uh, with certain programs to do so. Mm-hmm. But in a sport that celebrates Jackie Robinson the way they do and the way they should, Absolutely. you would think more black athletes would participate. How could you and not? they have some great role models, uh, uh, black athletes in Major League Baseball, yep. to do so as well. We'll leave you on that note today. Check out Action Sports Chats primetime Saturday and Sunday night, 1030 on Fox 30, 1130 on CBS 47. I'll see you on TV tonight on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Thanks for Scott jumping in today. We'll good see you all next week as well. I'm here next week, kids. Try the Austin Lane. I'm Brent Martin. No, have a good night, everybody. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.